This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the county result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review on whatever podcast player you're listening to. And for more information, you can go to www.scarfbagarawar.co.uk. You're listening to the Scarf Pagara War. For county fans, by county fans. Oh, great flick up by Helen Armstrong. Welcome to the Scarf Begara War, the podcast for who, Russ? For the fans. F- for fa- fans of what? Oh, county fans. County fans. And, and by who, Dave? I think it's by county fans, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, yeah, this is good, that's a good start, good start. I'm Nick Lee, here to guide you through your latest fix of hot, oily county chat. With me in order to do so, it's Russ Johnson and Dave Espley. Say hello, chaps. Hello, chaps. Hello, chaps. Hey. Hey. Well, oh, on fire. Well, I, I, machine. I, I might just shoot off. Right, with this being our extended monthly show, we've got a guest, haven't we? So, Russ, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up tonight and who we've got coming up tonight? Well, is, I thought that was. Have you not done a really, really good like intro for dance now? No, I thought you were going to do that. Well, that's what you that's what you do when we have guests. You you introduce the guest. Remember? Oh, you're you're the, you're the guest man. Right. Anyway, let's it's, let's it's, run into. It's been so long since me and you had a guest together. I think maybe that's maybe that's the problem. It's it's thrown us off. Anyway, we've got a special guest for you tonight. Um, huge county fan, as all as all the guests are that we get on here. Um, represented the UK or Great Britain, I think it is in um, in the Eurovision Song Contest, and we'll we'll definitely cover that. Um, heavily involved in football or has been and you may have even seen him recently on an old county video that's been doing the rounds when we went to Halifax away your name is? Darren Darren Thompson Darren Thompson how old are you Darren? 18 18 you're going to enjoy yourself today? probably yeah who's going to win? county score 2-0 2-0 right okay 2-0 from Darren Thompson in 1990-1991 it's Daz Thompson welcome Daz alright boys how you doing? hey Daz you alright? Yeah, yeah, good, good. Thanks. What we'll uh, we'll also cover the normal stuff, so the review, preview stuff. So we'll we'll take a look back at Maidenhead, uh, the two to two all draw last Saturday. We'll look forward to Boreham Wood this coming Saturday, and we will discuss everything else around county, including um, the Super League, which is 
doesn't directly affect us, but we'll talk about legacy fans and those turncoat wankers. <laughs> um, so, run, run titles. And when you're a massive narcissist and a bit pompous like me, then um, you know, <laughs> it also helps as well. I'm fully on board. I'm a, I'm a brand bitch now. I mean, you know, like people are trying to outpop each other. It smelled like egg and tasted like cider. I've even shouted at ball boys. That's the type of mad arsery that I can't get behind. I've learnt that Dave wasn't part <laughs> of the move to, to get us away from Edgeley Park. We couldn't afford an engraved carriage clock for you, so here's that that bird yeah. from the Cheadle full of bird yeah. shit. In a week where we gained and then lost the European Super League. We watched a lot of great county on the telly. Okay, back to it then. So, um, Daz, feel free just to chip in, talk county, talk football, talk whatever you like. It's just a free-range show, long long edition. Oh, in fact, I forgot as well, we've got some news from Dave later about the Tea Party and what's coming up in terms of like separate podcasts. So, um, anyway, Maidenhead on Saturday, uh, two-all draw at home. Um, what are we saying? It's That's the title gone, isn't it? No, I think I think playoffs is the best case scenario now. I mean, for for sure now. Yeah, and when we come to if we if we talk in a bit as well about some of the results from the midweek matches, mm. I'm, the third third third's looking dicey as well. But anyway, yeah, Maidenhead. I think you're right. I think the title's gone. Yeah, that was my uh, my big thing about it really because we talked about it in the build up to that game that you know we had I forget how many, how many it is eight or nine matches left, and if we could win like all but one and we had one tough game then there was an outside chance of the title and then we go and draw the first of the so-called easy ones which sort of brought it home a bit to me that you know yeah we need to concentrate on on sealing third place if we, if we can that's what you reckon what was your take on it Did well you watch yeah the, the, i watch every game mate um the, look the title has gone unfortunately um but I, I'm, I'm gonna stick my neck out we are definitely going up we are definitely going up uh, i don't want to jinx it I personally think we're going to run it really close and finish second or third. Um, I, I, I've seen enough. I must admit, I was very, very sceptical and dubious when Mr. Russ came in. Obviously, I'm a friend of Jim's. I'm, he lived on the same street as me when he was a player at the club. So I've known him for a long time. And when Rusk was appointed, I, I was thinking, mm, it's going to be that academy style. And it was for the first few games. I called it. I said, we'll murder Woking and then we'll have a blip for four or five games. That's exactly what happened. Um, but but I have to say, defensively, and in, in terms of Liam Hogan, Liam Hogan is playing the football of his life when he brings yeah. the ball out. He's, he's, he's improved. He was a good player anyway, but he's improved dramatically. And I have to just say quickly before I get out, I, I, look, I, I read a lot of the forums and, and, and people attacking us over the Bromley game. And now I've been, I've been involved in professional football overseas. So let me tell you something. Bromley come to the best stadium in the league, biggest team, on television, managed by Andy, uh, is it Woodward? And uh, is it Woodward? Andy Woodward or whatever. Uh, Wood, yeah, Wood, the new, yeah, Woodman. Yeah, Woodman. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now, he what he doesn't know about getting a draw away from home isn't worth knowing. He's you know he's, he's been with Newcastle. He's, he's, he's so professional. So you know, Bromley did to us what we did to West Ham. The only difference is West Ham are a quality side and they knew how to shake it up. Now, when Mr. Russ took over, it was sideways backwards, sideways backwards. It was possession and no one, nobody was 
was willing to take a chance in the final third. I'm going to say the best thing Stockport County have done in the last five years is sign that boy that they've signed this week because he can unlock defences because yeah. he's the only player, apart from Michaeli Sathan Halls, whatever his name is, who goes at people. Now, mm. Newby has a, has, has a more of a grace and he glides, whereas Sathan Halls is very direct. Now, what happens at this level, right? They pull you down. Simple as that which is why we're getting the penalties, because the skill level is not like as you go higher up. So they react in a more of a physical way. And I think that Newby, it's a shame he's not playing as much. For me, he's a number 10 all day, and he's going to go at people, and he's going to excite people. And that's why I firmly believe that we're going up. Now, I know people are like, oh, you're going to jinx it and stuff. But I just wanted to say that about the Bromley thing, because after the Bromley game, I was reading some of the things. I'm thinking, what the fucking hell am I reading here? Now, county fans, they know their football. They really, really do. So these turkeys that are, are these are these people who, who are, you know, if we win seven nil, he's the best manager in the world. If we get beat one nil in the last minute, but we battered him, he's the worst manager in the world. They don't know what they're talking about. A true county fan knows that we are fucking drastically improved, drastically improved, and we are a fucking good side. And you have to understand. Forgive my French, by the way. That teams, right? Think about it, right? If, if you're, you, we've all played the game at various levels, right? If you're coming to Edgerly Park, your game's going up 10, 20% before you even start. Yeah. You're playing at Edgerly Park, for God's sake, yeah. so, rather than playing at some shit hole down south, like fucking Maidenhead or whatever, you know. So, <laughs> so, 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 you know, I just have to address that because I didn't want to, you know, as we start to get more humorous as we go on, I just wanted to get serious <laughs> and, and, and say that, you know, Mr. Rusk, right, has, has done an amazing job. Now, and, and to be fair, so is the new owner because, you know, you get these owners, he's come in and he's put his money where his mouth is. Yes, the gym thing was very disappointing for whatever reason. But you know what? You've got to, you've got to judge by what you see. And, and whatever his MO is, whether it's to get us in the championship and then to sell at a profit, who cares? Because he is doing what he says he's going to do. And let's be fair, you know, the likes of John Rooney and, and Newby and, and, and the other boy from Chorley, who's, who's, you know, reminds me a little bit of Brett Angel, to be fair. He's a decent player, but yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, for county fans, we need to just chill a little bit and, and, and remember, you know, where we are. And I do think we're going to go up. But, you know, you have to understand that you can only beat what is in front of you. Do, do you think that's a sign of, of not so much modern football, though, but modern, like modern technology and the way that the fans are? And we'll come, we'll come to legacy fans in a bit, I'm sure. But, you know, like you said, you go on the forums and you do, it's personified, isn't it? You get, you get the idiot that, that thinks that Rusk is brilliant after a 7-0 and then you get the same person saying he should be sacked after losing one nil at home to a scrappy goal. Yeah. Do you not just think that's like modern? That's modern life, and these I, people always existed. Yeah. Everything now, has they've to be got, now they've got right a voice. Now, yeah. yeah. That's modern modern football. I just want to ask all you boys a question, right? You, you watch the Bromley game. You watch the Kings Lynn game, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, in your eyes, who was the better team, Kings Lynn or Bromley? Um, Kings Lynn for me. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we murdered them 4-0. And I'll tell you why we murdered them 4-0 because when you're playing that, what we call possession football or academy football, it's based mm. on space. And they had a lot of ex-academy players in their midfield. The guy, 24, the young kid, he was, oh, running, he yeah, was, running, great. He was running midfield. Yeah. And you know why he was a good player? Because he never got out of second gear and he always had time. It's like he was floating across the grass, just like Newbie is. And I just like how Rooney plays as well. But we battered them 4-0 and I knew we were going to batter them. I knew we were because they're because it's all good. It's it's okay having the ball and going side to side. But if you don't take um if you don't step it up in the final third, if you don't get urgent, if you don't take chances, right, this is what happens. You get caught on the sucker punch 
and we, we absolutely, you know, they murdered us yet got beat 4-0. Yet Bromley came to rough us up, to battle, to get nine men behind the ball and to try and get something. If you notice in the last 15 minutes, Bromley went for it. That is a game plan that you see time and time and time and time again over the years. So, so once more, county fans, we are going to go up, have faith. Now pour me a drink. But <laughs> <laughs> well, just, 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 I mean, talking about the Maidenhead, I know you focused on Bromley there. Maidenhead's pretty, not too dissimilar to Bromley, are they? They've got an old Wiley manager, uh, Davenport, who's been around the block. He knows how to get a draw as well. And how did Maidenhead go on last night? I'm sure they stuffed somebody. Yeah, yeah. Wheelston, we, who have conceded, I think, 13 goals in the last two games. Yeah, they've, well, they've, yeah. they've, they've, they've given up. They've given up. So yeah, there, you, there you go, you see. Again, they come to Wedgley Park, they set the stall out. You know, we didn't play very well. But the reason why I know we're going up, boys, and I'm sure you'll agree, is because we're not getting beat. Six months ago, we lose that game, and you know we do. You know yeah. we do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I actually agree with you about, about the uh, the prospects of going up. And maybe not as confident as you are, mate. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, I think I think there's a, there's a more than decent chance. And also, I said earlier about trying to secure third. It'd be great if we could, because then that's just a home game and a final. Um, yeah. I actually wouldn't be too bothered with having to play at least one game away, because you know we're doing it away, aren't we? And if anything, yeah. the away form is almost better than the home form. So if we if we drop yeah. down to what would it be fourth or fifth, where you'd get one away game, uh, then a home no, hang on, the other way around, home game, then an away game, then the final. I don't think yeah. that, that's a bad route for us at the moment. I think that might mm. be one that we could do. Well, I don't, I don't know because if we finish fourth, um, it depends say, who's, say, who's finishing yeah, sixth or seventh. It does. It, well, it does. But we'd play that. We'd play them at home, wouldn't we? And if it, if it's an, if it's a three now, Halifax, Wrexham, or Chesterfield, I would put my house that we'd beat all three of those. Yeah, at home, definitely. Yeah. And then and then we go away to talk to, I don't know, one of the others plus Sutton or Torquay. Yeah, I, I still fancy our chances. Yeah, and then I'm then kind of. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm confident about... I said it on the last week's podcast. Um, I, th- I still think we've got an outside chance of, of the title. But it's probably just gone now. But out of all those teams outside of, of first place, whoever's going to win, whoever's going to die, you, you won't bet against us, against any of them. We, could be, we can beat any of those teams. Yeah, I said, I said that a few weeks ago on air. Like, looking at the fixtures from then to the end of the season, there's not a single game that I looked at and thought, oh, we'll, we'll lose that one. And it's yes, it's the same for every single team in them playoffs. I won't, I won't be too bothered by any of them. I think I think we've done all right against most of them at some point this season. We've still got Torquay to come as well, which is going to be a massive game. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, mean, mean for me again, it's just superstition. I, and they're not in the playoffs yet, but I would want to stay clear of Notts County. There's just something about the size of that club and the sort of jamminess, if you like, that, <laughs> that, that I think that, that, that would, would do us. I don't know why, I've just got to, I'd take on any, I'd have any one of that top six, apart from I'd want to try and avoid Knox County if possible, which is looking like if we do finish second or third, we'd probably actually have them in the first leg, wouldn't we? Because they're looking like they're going to be sixth or seventh at the minute. I know yeah. they're outside of it at the minute, aren't they? Or they're thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they've lost like the last two, last two or three, I think, because they, they yeah. were looking nailed on for a playoff spot and then they've just started to... Out. But they're another one who made a, a controversial managerial change not long after we did. Yeah, and it's, they, it's um, not worked as well for them. No, have they have, have we played them while we've had Rusk under Rusk? No, no, no. You see, that's that's a different prospect for me. Much different prospect. Well, it's a bit like for me. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We, we drew, we drew nil nil with them twenty third of February. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
For me, it's oh, more right. of a superstitious thing. It's more, it's, it's more superstitious. It's not like a, they're a technically better side. It's just I just see the name Notts County and I, it, it just sends shivers down the <laughs> spine. I don't know why. I don't know why because, you know, we're, we're much more superior. But sometimes you have bogey teams, you know. Mm. you know, Remember the Burnleys from years gone by, you know. So you do have these bogey teams that get jammy results against us. And I would want to try and avoid Notts County. Anybody else? I mean, I think Sutton will, will fall. I, I just I, yeah. I, I just think they'll fall. Even though they're a good side, but I just think they'll fall. I think Hartlepool are the ones to, to be beaten. Yeah. The other thing to bear in mind as well is that fans might be back. So, uh, you know, getting getting people at Edgeley Park. I mean, I don't know whether we'd be full or not, whether it might be 2,000, 4,000 or whatever. But, you know, fans back at Edgeley Park might be, uh, might be worth... Uh, an advantage to us, you'd hope so anyway. Yeah, I think it's more of an it's certainly more of an advantage to the likes of ourselves and Wrexham and Chesterfield than it is to the likes of Sutton, definitely. Sutton, yeah. Yeah. So the the maidenhead match then, if we just sort of final final sort of words and comments on that. I think Rusk's post match interview is he's coming it's getting it's getting definitely better at the at the post match interviews. There's a lot of criticism on that. Don't get me started um, on that. <laughs> well, he's, he, he, I don't. You see, I thought they were okay from the start, to be honest, and and no, definitely no, no, on social no, media. No, no, Russ, 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 Russ. It is what it is. Is not going to fly with county fans yeah. in every sentence. And I'm telling you, being in, being involved in the media for as long as what I have, I think Mr. Wilson's had him in the office and go, ah, Simon, I think we need to sort of like think about some of these things. The, the cliches were getting too much. It was, but I've got to say. You've got to give the man credit because you know a lot of people were, were not for this, and he's turned it round. And he's and, and we look a very very good side. We really really do. And I think as county fans, we can't really ask for much. But think about where we were two years ago. Think about that and where we are now. We're knocking on the door of the football league. I mean, come on. Yeah. No. Just go. Just going. Just going back to the interview thing. The, the reason why I said I thought they were okay to start with is because he's, he's never done the press thing before mm. and it was his, his first foray into that. So you can give him a bit of leeway and it's shown now, hasn't it, that now he's got better at it. All right, Wilson might have had a word and he's probably been on some bloody media training or whatever, which is, which is fine. <laughs> but it's definitely looking better now. And, and the word that he said on Saturday after the match was uncharacteristic. And when you look at certainly the first goal, it definitely was, wasn't it? You know, they scored straight from a corner. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I said in that, in our WhatsApp chat didn't I, uh, chat didn't I that uh, Rusk is learning on the job and we know that uh, in both senses he's learning on, on, the, on the job of coaching he's also learning on the job of all the other stuff that comes with being a manager like the interviews like the mm. rest of it and in terms of of that process from his first game to his last and how he's improved both in terms of managing the team and dealing with the the media and all the rest of it you can't say that he isn't doing a good job he's learning on the job and he's learning well and he's progressing yeah. and you can see the evidence of the progression on the field and off it as well for me definitely yeah yeah and um, another goal for madden as well against maidenhead so that, yeah. that that 250 grand will look very good if we do get promoted <laughs> <laughs> it'll, be a, it'll be a snip if we go up because he's, he's he's contributing and is even though he's he, I mean he's not playing in the position yes because I, th- I think the people at the club might have been taken taken aback by the fact that Reed Alex Reed returned to form at the same time as we signed Madden that seems to be the catalyst for Reed to pick up and start scoring again so now Madden's having to play a lot deeper but he's yeah. he's still contributing he's still scoring so yeah it's, it's going to be a great deal like if we go up. Yeah, he's, he's looking the kind of player we thought we'd, we were all excited about signing. And OK, for the first game and a half or whatever, he was finding his feet like like players do. But 
now you're thinking, yeah, yeah, we've 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 got the Paddy Madden that was that was uh, pulling up roots at, at, at uh, Fleetwood. Yeah. What that does? What do you think about that? That this sort of like he's he's not like a number ten, is he, Madden? Or he's not? Sorry, he's not. He's 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 been played into like a number ten position, but it's not quite number ten. It's more like a defensive forward. But yeah, he's well, been he's been bought to. He's obviously been bought to score goals. Yeah. To be fair, up until recently, he didn't look 100% fit to me. And that's not mm. being just, I mean, if, you know, it still looks like he's still, you know, lunching at Greg's every now and again. But um, but he'll get that. He'll get sharper. And that's not me being disparaging. I'm just saying, you know, have a look at the shirt, boys. You've got eyes. Eyes don't lie. So, you know, but but bloody hell, he's a phenomenal player. Uh, and and he's, he will do as a job. I mean, you can just see it. You know, he's, he's, the, he's the type of... You know, he's a big-time player in terms of, you know, popping up in the 87th minute and, and scoring to put us through to the final at Wembley. You can just see it coming. You know, he's, for me, he's, he's, he's a different type of player altogether, but he has that sort of Liam Dickinson quality. He gets in the right place at the right time. You know, he, he, he gets people off their seats. Yes, he is playing, well, sort of in the hole and half. You know, Danny Begari used to say halfy-halfy. <laughs> you know, he's sort of playing that halfy-halfy. But the formation that Rusk's playing is, is really, really good because he's, you know, he's going with the three centre-backs. He's pushing the um, the wing-backs on. And then, and you know, is it Southam Hales? I can't remember his name. Southam Hales. Yeah. Southam Hales, yeah. You know, he's, 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 he's lighting. And that tactic, like in the Wrexham, where they left him up for a corner, we broke quickly. We got a penalty for it. I mean, if I was playing up front with him, I'd have kicked his fucking head in. He didn't square that ball. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? You're blatant chance to square. He didn't. Oh. But he's like lightning, and, and and with him and Nubi, we've got we've got we've got players that that will will create set plays for us, definitely, mm. definitely. And in Rooney, we've got you know uh, a genius midfield player who won't be with us long, but he's a genius midfield player. So, uh, in answer to your question, which I forgot what it was now because I was babbling away, but <laughs> um, what, what was the question? Sorry, babbling away. It was the question around Madden and what your thoughts were oh, yeah, around yeah. him playing he, that number ten role almost. Well, he's played. A, a much higher level up and um, you can see that and he is a very very good sign and again I've got to give props to, to, to Wilson and Stott you know for putting their hand in the pocket and bringing the likes of that player into this club because that's that's the type of player we need if we want to go back to, to the football league so yeah I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that that three up front is set in stone because I, you know teams will 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 counteract that and Rusk is shrewd enough to know he has to change that a little bit and he will do. So sometimes you'll probably get Madden and Reed or Madden and and uh, I forget the other guy's name is a good player. Cardwell. Cardwell, yeah. Sorry. And 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 you know you'll you will you will get them too or sometimes you'll get a free. It all depends because he you know he's not he's not adverse to changing the tactics, which he was when he first came. He just stuck at it, stuck at it, stuck at it. And I'll tell you who we're overlooking. That Will Collar could be a very, very good midfield player. Unfortunately for Collar at the minute, Crowsdale's playing so well. And that's mm. one of the problems for, for Collar. But I, I do like that Collar. I think, again, once he stops going to Greg's, he'll be absolutely fine. <laughs> that's what my girlfriend says to me. Yeah. <laughs> Who's Greg? <laughs> Yeah, say, she, she's been going to Greg's and not, not, the, not the shop uh, okay so Boreham Wood on Saturday then just look at their, look where they are I mean they've got an outside chance of the playoffs the form is bang average you know we're, we're fourth in the form table um, yeah and if, 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 I mean if, we, if, if we've got aspirations we've got I mean we're into this run of easy it's so called easy games now aren't we so we should be picking up three points there, surely. It's a battle of the uh, probably the two two best strikers outside the football league in, in Shimanga and Madden. 
Would you go? Would you go along with that? Would you say they're the best two? Is, is there anyone else? Is it, obviously, obviously, on current form, Richie Bennett. But the less I was going to say, that, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Bennett. We should touch on Bennett actually. Uh, we, I know we didn't mention it at the top of the show, but a lot of, a lot of people seem to be because people are, ca- are calling for him to be brought back quite rightly. Mm. A, lot, a lot of people see. Arrive, I, I'm with him. I don't, I don't think he should have been loaned to a rival in the first place. Um, but people seem to, when when people are saying they want him back, people the reply seems to be that he wouldn't get in our team, and I don't think that's the issue. I think the fact is that Cardwell is looking knackered after sixty sixty five minutes, and Bennett would be the perfect person to bring off the bench. I, surely, being this close to getting into the football league after so long, we should be putting ourselves first. I, I know, I know. You, you, know, can, you can almost taste it, can't you? Yeah, that's it. That's it. You can almost taste the, com- the rampant commercialism. <laughs> and also, you think that if we, if we are chucking money at stuff, um, you know, t- simply in you know in in service of trying to get up, you know, from this division, no matter how how much it costs, almost, then bringing someone back f- uh, to have them in in a, in a just in a bench role makes sense, you know. Yeah. Because that was one of the excuses given when Simon Wilson was asked about it. He said it was down to budget, but I don't think that excuse really flies when you spent two hundred and fifty grand on Paddy Madden. Yeah, budget smudge it. We need, we need to get up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, boys, boys, but boys, managers make players. All right, and um, if he came back, he would still be in the same position. So the fact that he's going playing for them, let him let him go and do it. Managers make players, and Russ just doesn't fancy him. Simple as that. Also, we're not in the dressing room, so we don't know what is going on in that dressing room. You know, you hear all these rumours and stuff like that, and there are, you know, you must take that with a pinch of salt. But you know, let's be honest. He wasn't pulling up trees for us. He goes into a different manager who maybe treats him in a different way, and that's why he's scoring. Um, it, it, it happens, you know. We've, we, it's happened many times with, with players at county before. Um, yeah, it's a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow that is is at them. I mean, I would like to him to have gone to bloody, you know, a mid-table side or Altrincham or something like that, where it's not going to or Halifax, where it's not really going to affect us. Um, yeah, it is a kick in the teeth. He scores a bloody hat trick, but uh, if he was playing for us on Saturday, he wouldn't have scored hat trick. That's a fact. He wouldn't. Mm. Yeah, fair mm. enough. And I like Richie Benny, by the way. You also, you also, I do like Richie Benny, but you also have to remember that he was brought in by the old brigade. And honestly, you know, sometimes your face doesn't fit with a new manager. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying sometimes that does happen. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it looks to me from the outside looking in that there's a strong current towards that. Yeah. And, and Wilson did say in his interview as well that... Oh, Jesus. Um, well, he sort a of, cleverly, sort of he'll... A cleverly contrived interview with John the Baptist Kieran. No chance. No chance. Come on. You see, when you've been in the media, Dave, Dave, you know what you're talking about here. When you've been in the media, you sit and watch that. Jesus Christ, I'm surprised there's no one behind the camera with a fucking card up saying, say this. It's like, come on. Some of, some, of the, some of the shots in that video I've not seen since I watched the Tarantino film. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very arty. <laughs> I was half expecting to see Simon Wilson's feet at some point, you know, for, for, for the full Tarantino vibe. Jesus, wet. Well, can, I, can I finish what I was going to say? Or, well, or... not really, no, because I was talking. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm only joking. <laughs> Carry on. I'm only joking. So, so what, what Wilson said, whether you believe it, like it, or know better or not, um, he did say that Richie Bennett wasn't... He, he alluded to Richie Bennett not 
having sort of hope. You mentioned the word hope, so that would suggest that it is, it is in the changing rooms that he, he might be having like a, a negative effect. We covered this on, on last week's podcast, so I don't want to don't want to dwell on it too much. And and that's a man who's lived in Barrow. <laughs> he's, he's lived in Barrow and now we're finding out that he's not got the hope that's where he lost yeah. his hope he went to Barrow with so much hope it was coming out of his ears <laughs> two weeks there and oh Christ <laughs> so going back to Ballroom Wood then um, yeah we, we said about the two best strikers in the league and I, I'm, I'm not so sure about that but um it's not. It's not going to be any, an easy match, but I still think we'll, we should come out. We should be coming out with it with three points. Agreed. Yeah. I don't think we'll get beat. Okay, Dave. Um, yes, yes, and no. I mean, we talked earlier about this this run of games we're talking about, and you know that we could we could win all but one and, and, and win the title. And that, you know, mentioned earlier that that's probably gone. This is one of the ones we would have expected to win in that scenario, but you know they got a point at our place, so. I don't know. I can't, I can't predict football matches anyway, so it's not on a pl- it's not it's not plastic at Boringwood, is it? No, that's Sutton. No, is that Sutton? Okay, all right. It'd be nice to think we could go there and get a really resounding do a Wrexham or something. That'd be fantastic. But uh, you know, news to say we won't. We, we've got it within us to do to, to well, beat the Wrexham. Dave, the thing is with Wrexham, as you know, they came at us first 15, 20 minutes, and then they run out of ideas, and it left the space for us to play. Yeah. You know, it, it depends how, it, honestly, it depends how they set up. Most yeah. teams now are setting up like a Bromley. So so, so you have to be extra quality to get through them. Yeah. Like we're talking about the West Ham thing. So teams who set up and, like, honestly, we talk about easy games. We would probably be best playing teams that have got something to go for because yeah. then they're going to go for it. Teams yeah. that are not arse and just don't want to get beat, they're going to be happy with a nil nil and a one all, so they're yeah. just going to sit in and, and say, "Go on, then break us down." Which, to be fair, is Bromley because Russ said earlier on they're on, they're on the edges of the playoffs. So, I mean, how would you wood. expect them to set up against us? They've, they've they've got a point at Edgeley Park earlier in the season. They they need a win to keep their hopes alive. I think they're not yeah. going to sit back presumably and park the bus, are they? They're going to they're going to come out. No, as you would have thought. I, I, for me personally, they're going to stay in the game to half time, and in the second half, you'll see a different outcome. That's what yeah. they'll do yeah, because they don't they won't want to go one or two down and I'm to I'm to fight now. The thing is, just just going back again, it seems like I'm fixated with Bromley. Look what Bromley have done. Since, <laughs> look what Bromley. I was just like, it's like, it's like Andy Woodman. He's so beautiful. <laughs> He's not no, nice so, as Greg. Yeah. <laughs> so um, look what they've done since they played us. It's like they won two and drawn one, and they're now right in the mix. So they're not a bad side. So it just shows that what they did was, you know, you've got to give them credit what they did against us. They, they did a really stunning job. Anyway, another lot of them, I won't mention it again. I think, I think Boreham Wood, I don't think we'll lose. I, I'm coming down on a draw. I hope I'm bloody wrong. But I think that what Boreham Wood will do is they'll sit in, let us play, probably match us, they'll probably match us up. And then in the second half, see if they're still level, then they'll probably go for it. But I could be wrong. I think I called him Bromley, didn't I? I meant Boreham Wood. <laughs> so, yeah, I did. Confusing yeah, the issue with Bromley there. Yeah. We've got Bromley on the brain now. Yeah. They both begin with um, Okay, it's so... It's only because I had a night out in Bromley once when I was doing it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. God, you and Bromley. Why don't you marry it, Daz? I nearly did. She was beautiful. Anyway. Um, before we move on to the Super League shenanigans, um, is it, it's worth mentioning as well that, um, and I'm not sure this was before last week, but Liam Cash is back. Um, I think he's been back for a few weeks now, actually, but he did his first interview this week as well. So 
It was good to see him, friend of the podcast. And how good is the pitch looking? Just a, a, a few short weeks after he's come back as well. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big return, that, isn't it? It's, it's not, you know, it's not like a signing a player, but it's not far off in terms of, uh, you know, I think we talked about this earlier in the season, didn't we? Around the time of the West Ham game, when it pissed down for about a week just before that game, and I think yeah, we yeah. said that's going to affect us as much as it does them because we knock the ball around, we like to play decent football, and I think the pitch for a few games after that. Like yeah. in 96, 97, the pitch was absolutely shite at home and, you know, it cost us the odd point here and there, which could have given us in those days the title. Um, you know, yeah, I, I do think we need a decent a decent pitch. We, we did touch on this in an earlier podcast and Liam coming back, I think, is great in terms of uh, getting us that. Liam, f- friend of the podcast, of course, isn't he, Russ? Yeah, absolutely is. We'll, uh, we will be getting him back on at some point, definitely. Um, but yeah, I've, I've heard, I mean... I, Daz, I don't know if you've got some some inside knowledge on this, but I, or even played on the pitch. But I've heard that the, although the pitch is looking better, it's still bobbly as out. Well, I played on the pitch in the eighties, so oh, <laughs> it's right, been long so gone by now. Um, it's been, it's been really late since then. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, if, if, if anyone who watches the streams can see, you know, you know, the West Ham game, Jesus, and it was, it was, you know, and after that, it was terrible. But yeah, I mean the, the geezer who cuts the grass doing a good job. Good luck to him. You know he's doing a great job. So uh, the, the pitch is improving just as well because we'll need it for the EFL next season. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see what they can do with the pitch because if if they've done that much work in such a short space of time, when we thought the pitch, I mean I think we said on the podcast after West Ham that the pitch was done for the season. Now we thought that was it. Uh, for them yeah. to get it like this, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what they can do with a, a full summer. Yeah, yeah no them. more concerts on it for God's sake. That's the worst. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, if they asked anyway. you, you'd play, wouldn't you? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> 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 I couldn't cope with the ridicule. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and someone else mentioned the, the... I don't know if it's the new the new scoreboard or the old scoreboard refurbish, but that's got that's been going up this week as well. So Yeah. We'll I, I, I still can't be doing with the, the block of seats in the railway end that haven't been... <laughs> Too much for your OCD, that, oh, is it? Oh, my word. <laughs> it's, like, it's like stroking a dog backwards. Sorry. And then they put a flag in there and don't cover him up. You, you know. Yeah. Good looking good, though. The ground is looking good, boys. Come yeah, on. It is. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm can't wait to get back. And really that, cannot wait. I'm not, I don't think we've touched, touched on it yet, actually. The... Uh, the, there's a new, they've set up new social media accounts and everything for Edgeley Park. You know, is it oh, the out space? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that looks good. That was always a massive money spinner as well, wasn't it? In the old when we first had that uh, the Cheadle built. So you yeah. hope that that. I mean, money, we said before, money isn't necessarily our main priority at the moment. Thankfully, but if we're going to become sustainable and self-sustainable and you know, stand on our own two feet, we're going to need that kind of revenue. And I think it's. Uh, you know, it's all for the all for the good that we can attract. Because when I worked at the council, um, we used to have uh, quite a few dues at uh, Edgeley Park, and it, it was a, it was a good space, and it was always busy. There were always yeah. people in that um, suite under the Cheedland, and uh, you know, it, it is a, it is a big revenue generator. Yeah. Well, starts a starts a businessman at the end of the day. He'll be he'll be he'll be wanting to get the most out of that, won't he? Yeah. And that's well, why he's done it up. And well, know. that's that's the side of things at, at any football club. If you if you do it right, then it's a guaranteed guaranteed money spinner. It run, starts to run itself. Then yeah. as long as you get everything right, and, and what they've done so far from what what we've seen, it looks great because it, it was starting to look very dated underneath the yeah. I would hope, and and 
the kind of things I've been hearing lead me to be confident in this. I would hope that his aim is to make us, you know, um, able to stand on our own two feet without having to have the constant um, half a million, million pound taken out of his pocket every year. Mm-hmm. It's obviously got to, it's happened and it's going to have to happen to pull us back to where we should be in terms of league position. But it's almost on a s- smaller scale as, as the um, what they've done at City. You know, the, the, they've, they've mm-hmm. put the infrastructure all around the ground. They've got... Um, you know all, all the sporting facilities there, and I, I mean I don't think City are going to be self-sustaining for a while, if ever. But you know, I think we have to be. We we can't rely on on Stott, um, even for you know five years down the line. I don't, I don't know how long he intends to stay with us, but you know let, let, let's take his money while we can. Thanks very much. And if he gets back into the football league and or the championship, I'll be absolutely ecstatic and grateful to him. But yeah. you know, it's like like we've said before. You know, when when he when he has had enough for whatever reason, and if he's put us in the championship, he'll go with our blessing. Obviously, we need to then think what's the next step. You know, because we're as fans, we're tend we, we tend to be longer than owners, and we need to know that, that the county's future is secured. So hopefully, all this kind of stuff in terms of the infrastructure of the club is is going towards that. That's why I don't. Well, yeah, that. yeah. I have to I have to say I I think his integrity is, is second to none at the minute. He's certainly doing everything that he says, and yeah, I think yeah. that uneducated fans which are very few in the county lot because obviously county have grew up on hard times but but for the uneducated few you have to be careful not to get too um embroidered in the money situation because look at that club up the road that's got billions behind it and is still struggling to get out of, of league two i'm not gonna even say the name but mm. they have um some red red directors shall we yeah. say <laughs> yeah yeah it's, you know, just because you've got money, it doesn't, it doesn't mean it doesn't guarantee your success. I mean, you know, but I, I, but I think the spirit of county is different to that club up the road. And I think that even though we have, you know, got, become a little bit affluent in the last sort of year or so, I don't think it, it, it's changed us. I think that the core um, of what county stands for is still there, which is why um, and we haven't had a lot to shout about for a long time, apart from obviously the the winning the, the Conference North, which, you know, is, is great, but it's, it's not the best league in the world. But, you know, I, I think it, it, it's nice to be able to be sat here with you guys talking about the potential that we now have rather than if we were sat here two years ago, this would yeah. be a completely different conversation. So sometimes the grass isn't always green and we need to give thanks for people like Mr. Stott who's coming and he's putting his money where his mouth is. So, well done. Yeah, it's funny that I'm, I'm glad I'm glad to hear you say that because I that, that that's kind of my take on it. And we, we have had guests on here um, and seen it on social media and a few question marks from people who were sat on this podcast today, Nick and Dave, where it's, it's almost felt to me like it's um, a bit of the opposite. Would you, would you say that's fair to say, Nick, Dave? No, I, I think, well, I, I was t- I was taken in by Tony Evans at first, so I'm very dubious on it. But in, in, all, in all fairness, though, I, I think I just say things how I see it on here. I'm quite happy to... I've given, I think I've given more praise than criticism about stuff that's happened in the last year and a half or so. I think, mm. I think, I'm, yeah. I think I'm fairly balanced, really. I think, I think for me as well, it's, it's, it's a, you know, you mentioned Tony Evans. It's, it's once bit and twice shy. We need to be wary, is, is of, of anyone in, a, in a sense. Yeah. Um, but that said, on the other side of the coin, this is where I certainly agree with Daz. Um, what has, what Stott has done so far? Has been with one or two little minor hiccups, and obviously that the, if, if it was Dan Stott or Wilson or whoever, we don't know. But you know, getting rid of Gannon was was clearly something that uh, kicked the hornet's nest. But in terms of everything else that's happened, I'm more optimistic about this rich guy spending money on us 
than I was about Elwood doing it, if you see what I mean. Because I think mm-hmm. for Elwood, there was a monetary return to be made from County, and it was made. You know, he invested about, I think it was 25 grand, possibly 35 grand, for the controlling interest back in the late 80s, um, and sold out for millions. And that's fine. You know, I've, I've, I've been on record as saying before, what he gave us in making that nice big profit for himself was a team that... that Ran, you know, the boss of the nineties. Let's face it. I think, I think, yeah. I still think we were the team of the nineties in 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 any league, um, yeah. and no one would ever want to not have that experience again. But Dave, Dave, sorry to interrupt. Let me assure you one hundred percent. Mr. Stock will already have an exit plan for this. He's a businessman. First and foremost, he's a businessman. He may be Stockport. He may, you know, he may be a county fan, whatever. Yeah. But he will have an exit plan. Now, that exit plan leaves us in a hell of a better position, like you say, to be sustained for ourselves and to be like in the football league again. I'm sure every county fan would snap his hand off and 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 and. and praise him for the job that he's done because let's be honest nobody else has stepped in I mean even winning that conference north we were on you know poor Jim was on buttons of a budget he was he yeah. did a great job he did an absolute fantastic job yeah. you know you know putting you know square pegs in round holes and getting a result yeah the tactics weren't great at times but we got the result and, and, and we got a little bit of silverware back but you know on, on the Mark Stock thing because I've not really had chance on any, any, any other platforms to say He's been in there a while now, and, and fair play to him. With the Jim Gannon thing aside, I think everything he's done has been top draw, and long mm. may it continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think most people agree with that. Yeah, and the only thing, I'd, I'd final thing I would, I would add to me little piece before is that it's different in the sense that, like I said before, Elwood was in it as an investment to make himself some serious money. Did so well, well played. Off you go, shake hands, and you've given us a good, a good nineties. Stott's not like that. He's, he's, he's apparently so wealthy anyway. That you would, ex- he's not in it to try and make himself a pension. <laughs> he doesn't need a massive return from county. Yeah. But what he needs is a legacy, and I think that's what he's probably wanting to leave yeah. is a legacy yeah, in his hometown club. That's a fair point. That's yeah. a fair point. So, to be fair, he's doing exactly what I've daydreamed about doing for years. You know, if, if I ever won the Euro Millions, <laughs> well, we'd all do it, wouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he's pretty much doing it exactly how I'd do it as well. Yeah, so. Yeah. There are, there, also been, there are a couple of things on my list that I want him to do that, that just through not having not been here long enough. That as Why do you have to be so negative, Russ? I'm not. No, we're we're always so nice at the start, and, and your <laughs> constant negativity is bringing me down, mate. <laughs> oh, how the tables have turned. How the tables have turned. <laughs> oh, oh, how the turntables. Um, okay, on to other matters then. So. Obviously, we're on we're on Wednesday night now, and on Sunday evening, this this Super League was announced. Um, I think it was Sunday evening, wasn't it? And that's just like completely kicked off. Um, everyone's turned now and, and said they're not going to be in, the, in this in this uh, Super League. I think don't need to explain any of that. I think if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know about all of that. Um, what I'd like to bring up to you, lads, and, and, and get you discussing is is the term legacy fans. Oh, um, don't get me started. We've been coined as legacy fans, and also talk about the. I mean, I'll, I'll call them idiots. I'll call them wankers. All these United and City fans that have tweeted or gone on Facebook or whatever and said, "If my team does go in the Super League, uh, I only live ten minutes from Stockport, so I'm going to go down to Stockport County and watch them instead." Yeah, discuss. There was one on my. There was a city fan on my Facebook last night after 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 the Super League thing got got thrown out and everything. And it, all the clubs came out and said they weren't doing it through through a series of soulless press releases. Um, yeah, he, he said, "Oh, I was I was ten minutes away from supporting Altrincham, 
It's like, well, you weren't, were you? <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were 10 minutes away from maybe starting to go to Altrincham games, but you, you, you would not have been an Altrincham fan. Your, your club still exists. I'm sorry, you, you, you would not have been an Altrincham fan. And I, the amount of... Yeah, I've, I've been called elitist. I've been called gate. I've been accused of gatekeeping and what have you. I, it's all well and good saying, "Oh, I'd like to see more like people from bigger clubs coming coming to watch us instead and discovering what we're about." But people, it's all well and good saying that. But when it comes to a big FA Cup tie, and, and you you can't you can't get a ticket because fucking at Pog Boom has got your seat. <laughs> 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 then I'm, I'm sure you'll feel, you'll feel a little different. I've got to say, boys, and Dave will back me up on this, it used to happen a lot in the 70s and 80s for our United County. We used to get yep. a lot of City fans and United fans, more City, coming yeah. down, because obviously the vast majority of City fans live in Stockport anyway. So Yeah, <laughs> and, of, and they still won't shut the fuck up about it. Yeah, <laughs> but we give them a good turning over, so that's all that matters. Yeah, that told them. Yeah, it's funny how that... Bit the hand that feeds us. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how that um, number of City fans that came down just gets disputed. I mean, yeah, Daz is right. I, I, I could name you th- half a dozen that I know you would come to County on a Friday because it was cheap to do, to do both. But... Mm. You know, yeah. if you listen to him sometimes, you think there's about ten or eleven thousand that used to come down regularly. We used to get fifteen hundred, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a, a few dozen at most, I reckon. So on, on to the legacy, legacy fans thing. If, if you're listening yeah. and, you're not, and you're not aware of this, uh, I think it was a leaked email from one of the Premier League clubs involved, who their directors have basically delineated the two different types of fans. There's legacy fans, which is the pe- people like ourselves who've been going for years, who are vociferous about what's going on off the pitch, who take an interest in that sort of thing. And then they've also got the new fans, which is people who are going to turn up, buy merchandise, tag themselves in on Instagram, go home, and then not be bothered until the following Saturday. Now, I put it to you and to you, the listeners, if they could get away with it, every football club owner would quite happily just have the new fans. Yeah, and you know the reason why that is? Go on. Because they're not football people, they're running businesses. So exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is just... Is just that, that's, that's the main thing that came out of it all for me, is just the staggering lack of knowledge of their communities and the people, you know, their customers, basically. I, I, I don't even think it's... Um, I, I, think, I totally agree with what you just said about the, the differentiate, but I'm going to add to that. It's not just the ones that go to the matches and buy merchandise and forget about it. It's bloody... It's the faceless accounts that sit in Thailand that pay for the subscriptions as well. <laughs> We've saturated Europe, haven't they? And they want to expand it globally. And in my experience of social media in the last couple of days, they are the only people who are for this Super League. It's people sat... 5,000 miles away from the club they claim to support. They're the only mm. people for this. That's, which says it all. That, that's who it's for. Mm. I, I would add as well. The re- sorry, go on. Sorry, Dave. The power of the real fan and the power of football, which is the, the best sport in the world, bar none, has bitten back. Mm. And, and, it, and it has beat the money because all these multi-billionaires are backing down. I'll tell you something, because I, I live quite near Liverpool, and he's got a massive problem, that John Henry at Liverpool now, because you see those Scousers once they once they turn against you, there's no going back. I'm telling you, and and I, even though he's done a lot for the club and you know he's delivered success on the field and what have you, football has fought back this week, and it's amazing. You know, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of Gary Neville for many for, for num- numerous reasons, mm-hmm. but you've got to applaud what he did because what he what he showed on Sky was real 
passion yeah. for football. Forget about because mul- that, that man is a multi-millionaire. He's a very successful businessman, Gary Neville. And he knows his football. Yeah, his England stint and Valencia wasn't great. But he is a football man and he's played at the very highest level. And and he it just was all coming from the heart. And he represents a lot of pe- normal people yeah. who, who who just love football. And like the, you know, from Altrincham, as you say, all all the way up. And football has fought back, and it's beaten the tyrants. So it's it's a really really I think it's a poignant sort of time for football because it's shown. And no wonder the politicians are jumping all over this because they're thinking, oh, votes, let's jump all over this. You've seen the people Mm. movement. Honestly, the massive movement. In 48 hours, that has gone from football's collapsing to we have won the war. When have you ever seen anything like that in your day? I'll just add an interesting thing that occurred to me, uh, Daz, to pick up on your point with regard to Neville is the the, the whole thing happened so quickly, like you say, 48 hours, that there there was no leader. It was almost Neville was was leading a movement that didn't have a leader. If you see what I mean, the yeah, focus yeah. was on his sky rants, and that's where people were saying, "Yeah, I agree with every word." Blah blah blah. But the actual opposition was coming from so many different directions, and it was overwhelming. It wasn't just you know, let's all line up behind Gary Neville, and he can lead a march on the clubs involved or whatever. It was just like, yeah, Gary Neville's articulated what we all think, but this is all of us thinking it, and as a result, I, 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 I was having this discussion on the yellow board earlier on with with, with someone. And he was saying he didn't think that the uh, the six clubs were surprised by the uh, the backlash. I think they were staggered by the backlash. Mm. I, don't yeah, think, I, don't think, I think they were not expecting anything like this at all. They would have expected negativity, but they would not have expected to have to literally turn 180 degrees in two days and <laughs> abjectly apologise. Oh, I mean, only really Arsenal apologise, but certainly... You know, through gritted teeth, release statements saying we're backing out now. We're sorry if anybody was offended. That kind of thing. And now I sat there like little kids in the corner, wondering what the punishment is going to be because that's the next step. This talk of you know points deductions, fines, all the rest of it. So it's it's changed so much in that 20, forty-eight hours that you, you're absolutely dead right, Daz. That this is football fighting back and saying, for once, no, we're not having it. What you're proposing is bollocks, and you know, get out of town. What, what do you think the punishment should be? For me, I, I'll, t- I'll take this one first, just because I'm, <laughs> I'm on a roll. But, uh, <laughs> um, I am less bothered about the punishment than I am about structural changes that might happen. Yes. As far yeah. as I'm concerned, I would not punish them a pound in terms of fines or a point deduction if it meant that they brought in the 50.1 rule, for example, if they if it meant that they introduced a £20 maximum ticket price, if it meant various other little things, which we all know um, could be introduced if the, if the will was there and would make football so much better. If that was the case, if that could come in um, as far as, as part of a, you know, a, a fan-led review of domestic football and then roll, roll that out internationally if possible, but certainly domestic football, I would say don't find them a bit because... What I would hate for it to happen is they were all fined twenty million quid or something that you know they could earn in two days of a Premier League uh, budgetary cycle. Um, maybe even they were all deducted five points, and then this time next season, well, it don't matter because they've all fought the fight, fought the way back. They've all, you know, caught up the points deduction. They've all paid off the fines, and nothing's changed. Bollocks to that! Mm. Don't find them anything. Don't punish them in any way, but bring in structural change. That's that. That'll get my vote. Yeah, it just shows once again why the Germans completely get it because Bayern and Dortmund completely rejected it and obviously they've got the ownership model over there where the fans have to have a stake in every club. It just shows once again how how far ahead of us they are once again. Yeah, it does beg the question though why PSG either weren't asked or or declined. 
I, that was yeah, I, that was baffling because you'd think relatively new club, oil rich, yeah. no real competition in their domestic league. You'd think it'd be right up their street. And yeah, very odd. I, I think for me, the fact that you didn't hear from them particularly means they were just sort of being shithouses and thinking, we'll see how this goes. If, it, if they yeah. get away with it and yeah. it takes off, we'll, we'll jump on board. If it doesn't, well, we can well, take the moral high ground because we were never part of it to begin with. If they really did have the moral high ground or they really did have the morals, they'd have been up there with the, the Aston Villas and the Southamptons and all the other clubs domestically who said, this is shite, it needs to stop, which they did. Can, can we all agree that the most tiresome thing to come out of the whole debacle is uh, Twitter accounts of shit football clubs tweeting, oh, we're just letting you know that we've rejected <laughs> <Yeah>. the invitation. <laughs> the fir- first one was funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. But having totally said agree. that, having said that, it's not all been uh, desperate on Twitter with this news because there's a fantastic account which is things that lasted longer than the ESL, and they're basically tweeting <laughs> a list of things that lasted longer than the ESL. For example, Gemma Collins' I'm a celebrity appearance brackets three days. Alistair Cook's 263 against Pakistan two days. Um, Gary Neville's Valencia career managerial career at Valencia 117 days. Leeds United's new badge, four days. It's all these things that uh, lasted longer than the ESL. Oh. Yeah, Tottenham's 20-21 to 21 title charge, 16 days. <laughs> Fant- oh, fantastic. That's great. It's funny, actually, because today I got a phone call from a, a guy at a record company that I know in London asking me if I would put a record together with Gary Neville's speech, you know, like a dance record, to which I, de- to which I declined. So I'm throwing my hat in there, not, not making any commercial gain out of this bad situation. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be like a reworking of 19 by Paul Hardcastle. That'd be great. O- only better. Only yeah. better. Yeah, that's not hard. <laughs> no, but that did actually happen. I got a phone call from a friend of mine today. He said, hey, you know what? Because it's, tr- it's trending. You'd, you'd, you'd stream and sell a million downloads of that, you know, because I said, no, thank you. So, so, so if a record comes out in the next week with Gary Neville's, you know, I know, I know who's behind it. Not me. I'm only interested. I'm only interested if Dion Dublin's on it playing the tube. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, no, if it happens, it's the Argos does Samson. It's not the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dave, no need. <laughs> it depends who it is. It's, it's not used the Argos Dad Samson. It's uh, whoever. whoever oh, right, that guy. Okay, sorry, sorry. In a long day. <laughs> right, good stuff. I think that's a good place to call half time. Um, and then we'll be back shortly with the second half where we'll talk to Daz about his career mm-hmm. in music and football. Hello, fellow county fans. I just want to take a moment of your time to tell you about this Scarf Begar Award blog. Each month I bring you my thoughts and reaction to all the latest games and news, plus there's a veritable cornucopia of other articles that are there for your viewing pleasure. Check out www.scarfbegarawar.co.uk. Now back to the podcast. Right, back for the second half. Um, let's talk to Daz. In fact, just before we do, there's something else that I remembered in the break that I thought we'd just mention. There's a, there was this whole thing on social media as well about um, about people associated with the club tweeting about their personal allegiances. Did you see that? Did anybody see that? Yeah, I, I, that. I didn't know who he was referring to, but yeah, I saw it. Yeah, it, it, it's not a, it's, I don't think it's a thing people are bothered about. It's just something people have noticed. Um, I know I, 
I wouldn't personally do it. If I was working for a different football club, I wouldn't use that account to tweet about County, but that's that's just me. Especially if it was another football club that we dislike, which it, it is in this case. But it's not. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I even follow the people in question, so it's not something that was really on my radar until you mentioned it. Yeah, it just raised my eyebrow. My no, yeah, it raised my it raised my eyebrow when I when I saw it. But then but then recently as well, because I know that this person's done it quite a lot, and that's fair enough, it's the personal account. But then I saw another one yesterday from somebody else in our club. Their account has SCFC on it, and they were tweeting and looking like they were supporting another local club. Um, the one that we the one that we hate just as much. Well I do. Probably more. You don't make your sympathizer. No, not this again. <laughs> anyway, I thought I just thought I'd bring that up because that was something that happened. I know, I know it was on, it was all over social media. So um, I've not got a problem with it to be honest, as long as they keep the two separate, which is the professional thing to do, I guess. In it, you know. I think it's only come up because it's clear that a lot of the people behind the scenes aren't, and they're not going to be. Though, are they? Well, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that, that that's how it's. Yeah. No, no, I know. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't saying it too much, but then that's just that's just fact. They're not going to be. You know, so people need to kind of get over that a bit. I think. Anyway, on to you, Daz. Let's talk. Let's talk about you. Um, this next half is all about you. Um, and right, maybe so. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, there is a lot about you on, online, and we know we know don't a bit about you all. anyway. Don't believe it all, mate. <laughs> all bullshit. But what, what what we tend to do on 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 the pod is take it chronologically because I know you've been involved in football, and obviously you've got a music career as well. So probably talk well. We're going to talk heavily about both. So. Take us through the start. Then was it football or music first? Which which one which one came first? It was football first. First and foremost, I was a fucking shit footballer. All right, <laughs> but because of the people who know me, I'm going. He was fucking shit. No, but what it was, I was a sprinter. I was very very fast, and I was like you know, like Ian Rush was a shit footballer, but he just scored goals. Yeah. And, that, and and I was a lot. I, I was like I had a growth spurt like when I was about 10 or 11. So I was taller than most people and I was quick. And in, in, in the eighties, it was rigid four, four, two, you know, back four squeezed up, you know, condensed the play, show them inside. And it was just, you know, it was over the top run onto it score. It was, and, and that's how I got spotted. I, w- I would listen. I was a crap football. There was much better technical footballers than me, but I got spotted really lucky because I was, I was playing for uh, Illgate boys at the time, actually. And I was training, uh, also, uh, uh, Platt, Platt, uh, Platt, Platt Lane, Manchester, we, two nights a week at, for Man City, like the academy, well, it wasn't an academy, it was like the Junior Blues thing, mm. and, um, but I only used to go one, because I don't know if you've ever been on them fucking buses through Cholton in the 80s, fucking Jesus Christ, <laughs> so, you know, we're talking like mid-80s here, so, so you know, it's like, you know, you, you didn't have all the, the social media and phones, you had to get on a fucking bus, and yeah, and unfortunately for me, in the mid-80s, Acid House started to come. And once that arrived, <laughs> kids put all goodbye. But yeah, I, I, I got... Uh, remember, Jim, Dave knows this story. Remember Jimmy Melia? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they used to have, a, they used to have a, a scout called George. I remember he's, he's dead now, long gone now. And he used to always turn up at Platt. It's Platt Lane. I'm sure it's Platt Lane. It's a long time ago. Platt Lane. Platt Lane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and you know... Nine times out of ten, right, I'd have dog shit training. But this one training session, I was, I was fucking on fire. I mean, just I, I was mishitting them and they were going in. It was just un- unbelievable. Anyway, so it, 
basically to cut a long story short, after a few months, I, my dad got this call and it was from Melia and they'd just been stopped. Now, I was playing two or three age groups above what I was because of my size. I looked a lot older than what I was and I wasn't going to tell them anything because it was I enjoyed it. Um, and the long story short, I went down and um, and spoke with, I think Eric, Eric Webster was there at the time. And um, it wasn't an academy as such, but we did some like, they used, to, they used to do this thing at Stockport Lads Club. Dave, you know what I mean, don't you? Yeah. Um, uh, and, and he used to go down there. And it was all during that Melia um, time, which is very, very short. And I remember Jimmy Melia ringing my dad up saying, he wants me to come down and train with the first team. And it was the photos up. You know when they have the photo? At mm. the, uh, right. Now, now, my mate Gary Walker, who played in um, Good Mates with Gary, he lives in America now. He was there. He wasn't my mate at the time. I was sat in the stand and Terry Park, Terry fucking Park. <laughs> now, I started going to County in 81. My first game was against Peterborough. We won 3-0. I was sat on the toilets, which is, you know where the police box is? There used to be an old, where the control room is? There used to be an old piss pot there and I was sat on the top of that and we beat Peterborough 3-0, Tommy Sword. 18th of September, 1981. I still remember it now. And that's when I was hooked. We played Sheffield United on the Monday after and I wasn't allowed to go because I was so young and Sheffield United were top of the league or second or something and my mum said, you ain't going there, they're going to bring, it's going to be trouble. And, and there was. Um, so anyway, um, to, to cut a long story short, Terry Parks and the song fucking froze. But anyway, so we, we played... The reserves trialists, and in my team was Levi Edwards, Mark Rowe, um, I think Nigel Smith was there, who I remember. Um, and we played against the first team in like a, a, a like a preseason game, um, you know, like all the kids and that, and the trialists and stuff. And we got beat seven one. And um, I remember Ron, I, I was sub, and I remember coming on and, and they put me in the middle of the park because I'm not a fucking central midfield player. And Amelia looked at me like, this is a fucking, like, gobby kid. You know, I'm not a fucking central midfield player. Anyway, Ronnie Glavin hit me within two minutes, and I thought, Jesus Christ, I'm out of my depth here. <laughs> anyway, so, so, so I get to the ball. I, I have a shot. goes way over the bar. I think it's still fucking probably travelling up fucking <laughs> 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 and, um and, uh, and the next thing, Trevor Matthew- the ball comes into me, so I show up, so I'm so short to get it to feet, and Trevor Mathewson comes fucking through me, and it's like being hit by a train, and I hobbled off, and um, I think nothing would come of it. And then about a week later, Amelia rang. These are the days without mobile phones. You know, these, mm. So he rang my house, and my dad said they want you to go back down again. So I did a bit of training with, with, um, with uh, Eric and that, but I wasn't interested. I, I wasn't. I wasn't not interested at all because I'd found music, and um, and I remember I had this mate called Darren Wilson. Uh, again, he's sadly passed now. He's not with us anymore. And he used to like. He was a really good footballer, and he used to go trialing for everyone. Like he'd go. I'm going. He was like 17, 18. He's a lot older than me. And um, one day we went over to Doncaster. I went with him. Right. He was big into his music and that. And this is where my career ended. So we went over to Doncaster and um, I guess a game. It's like, you know, the YTS. Anyway, there was this right back called Billy Russell, Scottish guy. He was like about 35 back then. He was coming to the end of his... So, so the ball, if I'm boring, you know, just tell me I'll stop. So the, I drops in short for the ball, whips it through his legs and just leaves him. Just really <laughs> just leaves him for fucking dead. Gets the cross, gets the byline, puts the cross in, centre forward, misses, whatever. 
And as I'm walking back to the halfway line, he says in this Scottish accent, you won't fucking do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so, I drops in short, picks the ball, knocks it past him, does it again. But, <laughs> it, just, but, but it, it comes to nothing. Next thing, 35 minutes gone, ball comes to me. I thought, right, this time I'm not going to drop in short because he's going to be expecting me. I'm just going to spin and go. And they put me in and I'm running full pelt, full pelt down the wing and I get hit by what feels like a fucking missile. And he puts me, I don't know if you've ever been to the old Bellevue ground, Doncaster, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Like this yeah wooden, it's like this concrete and I just hit it and that was me done for about a year. So when you're that age, they didn't even know that I shouldn't even on the fucking pitch. <laughs> I shouldn't even on the pitch. And, um, but in those days, it was completely different. Health and safety was out the window. So I was out for about a year. And, and then from then, I, I discovered um, Acid House and started getting into DJing and things like that. And football was, was gone. And in fact, Melia, when he left County, I think he went to Portugal or somewhere like that. I don't know. I don't know. But he actually, about a year after, phoned my dad up and said, what's your lad? He said, oh, he's, he's fucked it off. He's, he's, um, he's DJing now. And that was it. And that, that was my uh, short book. Sweet stint. It's weird, isn't it? You, you, I've heard loads of stories like that about young kids doing that to, to older pros who then like kick them up in the air or kick them into the stands. And to me, it's just like real, real shit house behaviour. Yes. Yeah. I mean, okay, you, you, you probably your pride's been dented or whatever because there's this little kid. But the last reaction for me, I mean, <laughs> apart from the lack of talent, it's probably why I'm not a footballer. But my re- last reaction would be, right, I'm going to hurt this kid now. It'd be, you know. It's just mm. it's just such shit house behaviour because you know it, it's put you out. I mean, okay, you've probably been happy with the the, the direction you, your life took after that, Daz, but you could you could have been a footballer potentially. Well, I smashed, for that well, shit no, house. I couldn't have been that club because he smashed my hip in half. And actually, and not no, not a lot of people know this because it is in my book, and I, it's the first time in years, apart from my family, know that I had to actually learn to play football again because I was right footed. And I actually actually learned, I became left-footed so I could protect my side. That's how I did. So it's like now, if you watch me play, like uh, playing a few charity games, still got a little bit, don't get me wrong, I'm still over <laughs> <my own. laughs> If I'm playing a few charity games now, you can't tell what footer I am because I, I can play with both. But obviously I only play with my left to protect that side because that's the side that I got smashed on. And that's how I, so, so I was just, I was just, but, but for years later, like we went down to year, yays and, is it yays and head, yays and heading? Yays and yedding. Yays and yedding. We went down, Eric Brown was the manager. I think it was his early nineties and Wilson went down there for a trial and he took me with him. I ended up having a game because you see in pre-seasons, right, you get all these trialists and all these like YTs that have been released and they just all turn up and, you know, they, 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 they try and, yeah. So, but I was, my heart was never in it. One, because I was not good enough, just wasn't good enough. But what the music career did, right, it allowed me, because it allowed me to to understand football and how it's changed from when we were playing and Dave, like, you know, in the 80s and stuff. It's a completely different game now. It's like watching a fucking computer game now. That's why I don't yeah. watch the Premier League, because football has become a computer game. Having said that, I'm immensely proud of the one talent that we have in this country who's actually from like Edgeley and Phil Fodden. He's a fucking genius of a yeah. footballer. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm so proud yeah. that it's come from but but that is but you watch Phil Fodden, it's in fact the commentator in the last England game actually said, what buttons do we press on the keypad to control him? Because that yeah. is what it's become. Yeah. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be almost at the standard of like Messi and Ronaldo and now he's a different he's a different player. Maybe De Bruyne is a better a better comparison. But he is going to be probably England's 
best ever player on the world stage because how old is he now he's not even 20 is could it? be yeah and he's, he's, be. he's the finished article he really is the, the last young English player to come through really with that sort of excitement was Rooney and Foden's in a, in a different league yeah, mm. yeah. For, different for, player for as well because he's not an out and out yeah well, it, absolutely but yeah. I, I, I think Foden is so far ahead of, yeah. of where Rooney was that I, if, if you think by that age Rooney was pretty established at United I think Foden is so much better than that and f- fair play to Guardiola because a lot of people said he wouldn't get a look in and what have you and Guardiola has managed him perfectly I think not, he, I not think playing he, every week he knew what he knew what he had there didn't he really you can get some yeah. players who, who, who you think you know oh he might, he might be I think Guardiola knew from him being about well, first time he met him, he was probably about fifteen or sixteen or something. He thought, "Jesus, I've got something here, and I'm not letting them go." And he's not going to be the last to come through either, because you've got another Stockport lad, Taylor Harwood Bellis, who's yeah, he's a decent. But the, the problem that you've got now, and I'm not against modernisation, but but where is the next Gaza? Obviously, Fodden and Grealish are the next Gaza, but because for fifteen years we've had these academies that produce robots. everyone's got the red phones on everyone's got the red down and it wasn't like that back in the day now I've played against Gascoigne when he was 40 all right when he got back from China I played in a charity game down at Bishop Stortford down near Stansted Airport somewhere and he was 40 he was drunk and you still could not (laughs) you still couldn't get me so imagine what he was like in in the day in the in in the days when you had Vinnie Jones playing in midfield when you had people that that basically their 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 remit was to stop the other player playing, not to play football, mm. to stop the other... You can't do that now. Now, don't get me wrong. Yeah, the, the game's nice to watch now because it's all possession. It's beautiful. It's all nice and and, every, and everyone's a little bit fitter. But I still think that we are losing a little bit of, of character. Where are the Gascoins? Where are the Robsons? Where are the Inters of this world now? It's a different mould. Now, I know we have to move on and it's just me you know, being nostalgic, but it, but I would like to to think that, that, that there are some characters. Same in boxing. Without Billy Joe Saunders and Tyson Fury, there would be zero characters in mm. boxing. It's just robots, you know. So anyway, I'm I'm going to drop down off my soapbox now and, and stop going <laughs> about robotic football and academy football, which I think is the biggest load of shit ever. However, it's modern day. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with what you're saying. To be fair, I think there aren't yeah. enough for, aren't enough for those characters in the game. And when 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 they do come along, it's really refreshing to see. Um, I think Scott Brown's probably the nearest, but he's based up in Scotland and then he's coming to the end of his career. Anyway, um, so that was the end of your playing career, and you got into like you say, music and acid house in your what late teens. How did that manifest itself? Because you still. From what I'm reading and what I've heard, you you had a you had you were coach you were a coach you had a coach, coaching career as well. So, oh well, it sounds like a flowering one to be honest. So where does where does where does that fit in? I take it the music took off from there, did it? And that's how eventually okay. Eurovision okay. started. So I'm going to try and cram this very quickly. And so basically, obviously, my first I was very lucky because the first sort of band that I was hanging around with out of Manchester was a band called Control, and they had like a rave hit called Dance with Me, I'm Your Ecstasy. Some of the older people will remember it, and they were on top of the pops and all that. And I was like really really lucky right place at the right time i was sort of hanging around with them and doing a bit of emceeing and stuff like that and perfect so when you're in it's almost like when you get invited to the party once you're inside those walls it's very easy to to network and stuff Mm. getting back to the football thing on that is what happened was when i started to have success you think about it um bus stop my my first hit which was mine Mm. was was a hit in like 35 countries so you think about it every week i'd be in slovenia latvia estonia finland and what happened was 
we'd fly in there and we'd have nothing to do in the day. And I was really, and I'd go on to, to, the, to, to, to watch Altrincham in Finland, you know, their version of Altrincham, you know, the lower mm, league. Yeah. I would never go and watch the big boys because you're not going to learn anything about football and about the culture of football in this particular country. So my football education, I was very fortunate because I had like a 20-year career and I fell back in love with football through being like in all these different countries and and and, and it, it, it come to... But obviously, while I was coming back here, I was still coaching like Sunday teams here and things like that, you know, you know, and, and which are, you know, there's no coaching involved. It's just pick the first 11, get a shape and go for it. That's what Sunday League's about, right? So, mm. but I was falling back in love with it and I sort of started to do me licenses and things like that, which I've got to tell you, biggest pile of, sh- I wouldn't even wipe my ass on a like, <laughs> you know, I've been on so many fucking coaching licenses <laughs> around the world. And with aside from Asia, which was pretty good, there's not a single thing I would use. Not a single thing. Do you think Bill Shankly, Bob Paisley, Alex Ferguson had fucking coaching badges? You think fuck? It's like football is a fucking simple game. And all it is is just a way of fucking... Oh, oh I've got my way for B. Yeah, so fucking what? I can drive a car. I don't need a fucking licence to say that I can. But yes, you do, because it's money from the government. Sorry, because it really gets my... Dash, you sound like you've been the front man for Sleaford Mods. <laughs> <laughs> And maybe that... right, put some beats <laughs> behind that. That's a, that's a compliment, by the way, because fucking sleep and mods are ace. But go yeah. on. But, but okay, now for me, and you might disagree, but for me, two of the best non league managers in the last five years have been Bernard and Jono, as well as our own Jimbo. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, let me tell you, up until last year, they didn't have a coaching badge, and look what they did at Salford. Now, I know they only got their UA for B last year or the year before, because I know some of the guys who were on the course with it. So it just goes to show you, look what they achieved. Now, before you go, money, 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 look what they did at Rottenstall, or wherever they were before. They, they were at Rottenstall first. Or Ramsbottom. Ramsbottom, sorry, Ramsbottom. Yeah. Look what they did there. Because if you know how to motivate people, and if you know how to play a shape, that's, all you, that's what football is about. It's not about all these confangled, Fucking statistics and all. It's not. Get a set up, right? Get the player playing well. Get them fit and get them mindset, right? Set up in a shape that allows them to express themselves in the final third. Because let's be honest, the name of the game is to put the ball in the other person's net. It's that fucking simple, all right? Mm. So let's get the ball up there and play. Okay, now, they achieved all that without a single coaching badge. Now, for me, one of the finest displays of a 4-3-3 formation was when Salford played Notts County in the FA Cup. It was fucking textbook. They did that without a coaching badge, and they won, and they beat them. What they did is they got players hungry, in a shape, carried it out to perfection, and that's why they beat them. So my point being is that you know all these you know coaches, oh you know oh I've got to do me level right. Well I've done it, and and it, 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 it's just ticking a box. You're just ticking a box, and that for me is why. Harry Redknapp and these type of people don't become England managers. Now, Gareth Southgate doing a really good job, but let's be honest, he's so fucking blue, I bet his skin is. I mean, Jesus Christ, I bet he wears a suit and tie to bed. He's so fucking straight. You know what I mean? We need characters in the game. We need characters in the game. So anyway, as you know, there's going to be people listening to this going, fucking shut up, Samson, you wanker. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) Gareth Southgate definitely has cornflakes for breakfast, doesn't he? I thought you were going to say Gareth Gareth Southgate definitely listens then I thought does he (laughs) (laughs) anyway so 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 what happened was so when United Nations broke you know moving forward United Nations was was a big big hit uh, particularly in like the Eastern Bloc countries yeah I I brought two copies of that so you're welcome 
Yeah, all right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me, I've got to put Petra and the Ranger over tomorrow. Anyway, <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> For those people listening, I'm just fucking joking. Jeez, to be honest with you, Donnie's a right arrogant bastard, yeah. isn't he? He's only joking. Anyway. So that's yeah, yeah. So what happened was, in 2004, when, when, all the, when the EU opened the door to Poland and stuff, to come and, all the Poles were coming here, me and my Polish manager had the, had the, had the, 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 the dream of us going there. So we, we got this club, and I was resident there anyway, and, and, and we were building up. It was really doing. So I was in Poland four days a week in, 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 back in those days. So what do you do? You go down to watch the local side or, or like, like the Altrincham, if you like. But the Altrincham in Poland is fuck all like the Altrincham here. You know what I mean? You know, trust me, it's a completely different game and it's a completely different setup. So you get to talk, and as soon as you open your mouth and you're from English, people automatically think you're the, you're the ex-England manager. As soon as you talk football, because we created the game and all around the world, people... Anyway, to cut a long story short, two days later, I'm training with the team, not as a, a player, but just like just having a trainer, just giving them some drills and just think... The week later, the manager gets sacked, and guess who takes over? <laughs> Can't speak a fucking word of Polish. You know, we're, we're fourth from bottom of the league, and, and all I did was, and, and technically these guys, technically these guys were just, were just brilliant. The standard was like, um, maybe, I'm not going to, not quite Conference North, just sort of around, just below their sort of like Northern Premier League standard. Mm. Only, only they played football. They oh, kept it, kept it, kept it, kept it, kept it. Just like Mr. Rusk in his early incarnation. And then what I did is, like, that's brilliant. I just introduced a little bit of urgency in the final third. We went 17 games unbeaten and ended up finishing second. You know, I mean, and, and, you know, and then after the following season, we were in a, a playoff place, if you like. And then obviously I, I left Poland for personal reasons, shall we say. In other words, a couple of Russians come in the club one night and said, we're buying this club off you. If you don't sell it, you're not leaving. Yeah, so, I left. <laughs> so I left. And, 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 and it was then that I fell in love with the game, back back in love with the game, came back, did a bit of amateur stuff. And then, um, obviously, long story short, moving forward a few years, I'd obviously, I'm all badged up by now, which is a complete fucking waste of time. <laughs> I ended up going living in Guam, which is a, an island over in... Uh, Asia, which near um, near Hawaii, uh, and again, same thing. Bored out my brain, riding me Harley. See the floodlights on. Goes to the fucking stadium, watching this training session. Starts talking to a. You're English, yeah. Used to play a bit. No, I didn't. <laughs> and uh, again, exactly the same thing happened. Had a little, tra- a little, little sort of training session with their reserve team. Literally a few weeks later, I'm running the team. <laughs> And and, and, and and this league has international players in it who played in the World Cup qualifiers for Guam. So the standard is, is much better. But again, it's a completely different game of football. It's nothing like, you know, it, it's, 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 again, it, it's very, very FIFA, but with, but, but with um, a lot slower pace. Bearing in mind, it's 90 degrees out there and you can only ever play at night. So it's, it's a very slow pace. But I just introduced a little bit of Englishism into it. And um, we did we did very well, and and and, and the love, all, all that experience of the twenty years being in Estonia and Latvia and Slovenia and all these places, all just come flooding out, and 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 so it was worth it. It was worth it when you're pissing down in fucking Riga one Saturday afternoon and you're watching this team and there's five hundred fans there, and 
It's like county now. When I go to county now, well, I started to go in the Cheedland now, but I, I used to go in the main stand a lot and sit behind Jim because I was intrigued to know what he was doing. Now, apart from fucking balling at everyone every two minutes, a lot of his tactics were fucking brilliant. Absolutely. He's a fantastic coach, Jim Gannon, you know, an absolutely fantastic coach. Technically, he's very good. But unfortunately, you, you, sometimes, you know, you can only get out of what you've got. And he, yeah, anyway. Um, so that was it then. So from there, I, uh, I'm friends with John Robinson, who used to play for Charlton and Wales. Mm. And he was, oh, he was over at um, coaching down at Myrtle Beach. And I rang him up, said, we're thinking of moving, me and partner at the time, we're thinking of moving to Florida. He said, oh, I know someone who's, long story short, I go to Florida, Panama City, Pirates, Jinx of Samson. They go bump. <laughs> 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 they go bump. So we moved down to Tampa. Uh, like north of Tampa, like a little sort of suburb, Wesley Chapel. And I get talking to this this oil person or whatever, multi-billionaire, and he's setting up a club for his son um, because he wants his son to be a lawyer, but his son wants to be a footballer. So he set this club up and it was basically made up of semi-pro club, but it was made up of all people that are good enough to be professional, but are going to be doctors and lawyers, but they don't want to lose the game, if that mm. makes any sense. Oh, yeah. And we had Costa Ricans, Mexicans and all that. And exactly the same thing. We were franchising up for to go into the MLS fourth tier. Uh, and, and, and what you have to do is you have to sort of like prove your franchise. So, so we had to play like a full season of friendlies. And I'm, I'm dragging this on. So, so basically, we, we, we played 18 games or 16 games and we won 14 of them, drew one and lost one before we... And, and then... I came back to England because uh, a relationship break, break down and I came back to England thinking I would walk into a coaching job. Oh, how fucking wrong I was. <laughs> now, um, I got a few offers. Basically, uh, when I was in America, a friend of mine who's the chairman of Ashton would say, have you ever come back do a bit of coaching for us? So when I come back, I went and did a little bit with them. But the manager didn't want me there. And rightly so, if I was the manager and some fucking gobby Mancunian come in, I wouldn't want him there anyway. This manager was a Scouse fella. And, it, you know, nothing against Scousers. But he just didn't want me there. So I sort of come out, left it. And uh, and, that, and basically, um, without boring you, I went, I went for a job uh, at an ex-Northern Premier League uh, club. I won't say what it is. I won't embarrass them. And they were bottom of their league at the time. And I'd watched them for a few weeks. I knew they were going to get rid of the manager. And I knew exactly what was wrong with them. So I spoke to the secretary. I said, if, if, you have, if anything ever changes, give me a shout. And I said, yeah, we want you in for an interview next week. So I went for the interview. I told him the four players that I was going to bring in and pay their wages from a higher league to make sure we didn't go down. I was paying the wages out of my own pocket. Yeah, 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 no problem. Right, you've got the job. Training's tomorrow night. Turns up at training at 7 o'clock. I thought, right, I'm going to let the coach take the training session so I can just have a look at them. And then towards the end, I'll just start implementing some things. Brought three of the guys down because one of them was working, couldn't make it. So I showed my intent by bringing players that were much better than that team. This was a training finished at nine. At 11 o'clock, I get the call from the chairman. Uh, we've had a think and we're going to have to let you go. Um, one of our directors has recognised you from the man on the television with the, with the microphone doing the rapping and we don't think that's the personality <laughs> in our football. Jesus oh, oh, and by the way, they went fucking down that year as well. <laughs> so my point being is that Eurovision, even though, you know, financially it was good and, and from a sort of like uh, not, notoriety perspective, because every year I get wheeled out in a wheelchair to give a commentary or whatever. It's like from football, which is my real passion, um, not a fucking chance. And here's my thing. 
John Owen Bernard, John Owen Bernard, right? Chester managers. One of them is a plasterer, and one of them drives a truck for a living, right? Yet they get a job yeah. because I've been on the television as a rapper, singer, whatever. I'm deemed as Timmy Mallet, and somehow I'm not as good as them. Yeah, I've got the exact same coaching qualifications. So where's the logic? And the thing is, as well, you've you've done exactly what it's something I've said for ages that more managers should do is experience. Uh, it's always been my thing with English players; they don't go abroad to test themselves anymore. So that's, that's why I, I rate the likes of Sancho, who've gone to try try it somewhere else. And you've done that as a manager. It pissed me off when Lampard walked into the Derby job, a massive club like that, and then the Chelsea job. He'd not got an experienced football at the bottom level or anything. So for you to do that and then for other stuff to hold you back is just ridiculous. You're doing exactly what money, what up-and-coming managers and coaches should do. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 and basically, and then six months after that, because I mean, Breno will tell you this, uh, Phil Brennan, I was so fucked off uh, uh, that be, being excluded because of that, because of my track record as a manager, I'm not being big. It's second to none. The win rate is second to none because I just let players play, get a shape, get a system, and let them express themselves. They're the ones doing it, not you. Mm. And 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 so there was one team, right? Uh, a Northwest Counties team. All right. Now you think about this. I put together two business people, and we were going to put forty grand into a fucking Northwest Counties team. Forty grand. All right as long as I took over as a manager. And they were near the bottom of the table. And one of the board said, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the board voted on it. And again, that same thing. We're not sure, you know, your experience in music. Because they don't understand about the Polish leagues and about Guam and about Asia and about America. And because I hadn't fucking managed the the dog and duck to (laughs) to the Sunday League division title. They're not interested. Lo and behold, they give the, the job to the manager of the dog and duck. They go fucking down. So... So when you're fighting against that, when you've got that level, and I know people listen to that, that's nothing, but trust me, at, at Northwest County's level, that's a massive investment, yeah. massive investment. Mm. And they still didn't want it. So that, at that point, I thought, you know what, screw it. And what I did was then um, start doing a bit of work for my mate Ian Ferguson, who's a big agent and uh, talent agent and um, scout up in, in Scotland. And I'd just, you know, he'd say, go and have a look at this guy for us. You know, this, this Scottish club is interested. And just go and have a, what do you think of this guy? And I just enjoy doing it because... You know what? I enjoy watching the game more than I do playing it, which will will surprise you. Yeah. Do you, but do you know? <laughs> no, no. Well, well. Just <laughs> well, But do you know what though? There's, there's there's a couple of things here that's just running running around my mind here. So you, you you're not really watching it for fun, though, are you? When you when you're scouting a player, because I've I've done a bit of that as well. And you're so you're so concentrating on what you're doing, you're not enjoying the actual match. You know, I sit near you at County. You obviously we we sit there and enjoy the match, don't we? Because we're not doing any opposition analysis or anything like that. So, but I, I think all football, but because I, I always imagine Jim Gannon being like that, right? If he was just watching a random game on the telly, I, I think you're just constantly in that analytical mode if you've been in the game that long. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and then the cheat, I go in the cheat lane now because I've got a 14-year-old daughter who, who, who goes to county with me now and she loves all the singing and stuff like that. So I sit up in the cheat lane. Now, you don't get the same for me personally because I, I got to watch football from a ta- tactical thing. That's why I'm not going to mention the name, but there's a team that begins with B that we played on BT recently and um, we drew nil-nil. <laughs> and that, see, I, I, was more I was more fascinated with, with you know, I, I, I text my friend within two minutes of that game and said, it's going to be a draw this because this guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to set up teams and, and they roughed us up the first 10 minutes. 
So, you know, it's all, you know, so I, when, when you're sitting in the main stand and you can see what tactical changes they're making and what the management are saying to, to them, because that's why I used to love listening to Jim because he's honestly, technically he's fucking fantastic. Now, whether or not he's a great man manager, I don't know, but technically from a coaching standpoint, he's fucking amazing. And that's why he did so well at other clubs that he went to, you know, and that's why he did so well at Northwich because what he did, he made average players better. Mm. You know, so good luck to him. Yeah, just just coming back to you though, um, and and we've said it on the podcast a million times that it's, you know football is jobs for the boys, and your your face has got a fit. I just wonder what the rationale is though behind those people that said to you, "Oh, we've seen you on the telly, you know, micing your hand, rapping, you know, in it, to put it in their words, why they think you wouldn't be a good football manager." I don't right. understand because the logic. it's owner, right? So exactly. So so if I was a truck driver. I now would be managing a team in the Northern Premier League without a shout, without a shadow doubt, because my business contacts alone, alone my football knowledge. And at that level, when clubs are screaming out for sponsorship, screaming out to get more involved in the community, I mean, they you know, they live off scraps. They get, you know, Northwest Counties. What do they get? One hundred and fifty through the yeah. door. You know, so so when I, but the problem is a lot of those clubs. Not Cheadle Town anymore because Cheadle Town have been taken over off a young lad and he's starting to really go for it and, and vamp mm. it. But a lot of those clubs, and Stockport Town, they've got young owners as well. But a lot of those clubs in that league, they're they're run by old school FA men, you know, who are still, you know, Burt yeah. Miller Brigade. Yeah. And that's the problem. They don't want... Remember, when you think about someone in music, what do you think of? Television's out the window. Liam Gallagher. That's what you think of. That's the perception. <laughs> You know, I'm a family man. You know, what I mean, it's like I've got. Don't get me wrong. You know, we've all we've all had a, a good time in the past. But like, what, what what my point being is, if you're being interviewed, right, and the club says we want X, now I've I've coached in, in the Northwest Counties, and you really don't need to be a great coach because it really is the level that it is. But but when 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 I meet the credentials of the people who are interviewing. And I also say, oh, I could also introduce you to this man who would be more than happy for sponsorship when they've got a guy ringing the phone off the hook to try and get 200 quid here and 300 quid here for sponsorship. And I'm saying, I know a few guys who put boards up at your ground. You, you don't want to get involved and they still don't go for it. You know that it's got nothing to do with fucking football. Yeah. Mm. Not whatsoever. It's got everything to do with the fact that as soon as I leave that room, they get onto YouTube and they see me going, whoa, ho, 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 and they think, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, cl- meanwhile, clubs are happy to give contracts to just random dickheads off the only way is Essex or Love Island and that type of thing. Well, yeah. that's TV, mate. That, that, yeah. Listen, he won't be there next year. That's for a documentary and TV talks. You know, it is the way it is. But honestly, that killed me, that did. Because I went out and, and you know, travelled the world and earned my stripes. And the country that I love, I can't, I can't even get a fucking job managing the dog and duck. When, when, listen, at the end of the day, it's not like I'm saying, hey, I managed here and I managed there. It's all checkable. There's references. You can you write to these clubs and they'll tell you what I did. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm saying, hey, I was once a manager of county, you know. And fucking yeah. hell, you can check. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> But yeah, so it, 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 it's it's really really frustrating because I feel like I've you know done. But but you know it, it is what it is, and, and there's probably more serious things going on in the world now. But I would like to get a, a shot at it, and and it's like Breno said, why don't you just fucking buy your own club? But you know it's like. But the thing is with that is is, is then you're forcing the issue. I, I, you know, a part of it is you, you want to be given a chance by someone. You want someone to believe in you because if a chairman said, yeah, I does fucking go and do what you did over in Poland and, and Guam and America here, 
that would be red rag to a bull to me. I'd be like, fucking yes. And there's no way I would fail because football is an incredibly simple game. Now, you lads all know the game. You know the game. It's a really, really simple game. It really is. You know, if you've got players playing for you and hungry and fit, you've got a pretty good chance of getting some results. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, I've, been, I've, I've gone on and on and on there about football and not even spoke about music. I'm so sorry. No, it's good. Well, we'll come, well that's it. I think we'll, we'll, we'll jump onto the music side now. So, I mean, you know, how, how did that manifest itself? So, you said you're into Acid House, you're DJing. Did you do how pirate you radio as well? Yeah. And, I, and, I, and just as, again, Curse of Samson, went to Radio Luxembourg, one month later, shut down. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, but look, I, I've been yeah, I've been very, very fortunate. It's right place, right time. If I hadn't been out riding in Guam that night and, and the owner of the club wouldn't have been on the terraces watching the training, would I have been there? No, probably not. It's all timing. And and the fact is, when I was with Control, there was a lot of Hacienda stuff going on and, and, and you know, and, and all that type of, the, and the, the Manchester dance scene and all that. And and that's what, how it happened. I got talking to a group of lads who, who, who were, had a record deal I said, well, I'm a bit of an MC, even though I've never fucking MC'd in my life. And I'll tell you what, and I'll tell you, and, then, and, then I'll, and I'll tell you how I, because I'd given up, after a while, I'd sort of given up trying, because there's a documentary out, you should watch it, does something how it happened. It's on YouTube. Go and have a watch, anyone listens to go and watch it. And it says that, that I, it, it didn't happen overnight. I waited five years for my first proper hit of my own. And, I, and I'm going to tell you who it was who inspired me, and you'll fucking laugh. It was Anton Deck. Mm. I was DJing in Sheffield and I turned up, I didn't even know they were on. I turned up and they were on this show called Biker Grove. They were called PJ oh, and Dutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Know it well, know it well. And uh, I was DJing in Sheffield like a, an under 18s thing, you know, like a kids' rave thing. And uh, the manager says, Yeah, we got two fucking idiots off the belly on. And it was like Beatlemania. Yeah. It, was like, it was like Beatlemania. I'd never even heard of them. And then they'd come on and they're dancing around and this, you know, roughly the same age as me and my mate in the DJ box. I said, we could fucking do that. It's fucking easy. I said, I know some guys, you know, by then I'd had a bit of experience. And, I, and so we went in the studio, did a couple of records and Nigel Martin Smith, take that's manager, picked us up. And it, it just, it, it, it fell to fruition because we weren't of, of a certain gender. But um, yeah, so that, that broke down quite quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah and, and, and then from then, Basically, after that broke down, they were called the Bass Boys. After that broke down, Kung Fu Fighting was the next record, which I did with two guys from Manchester. Um, and the rest, as they say, is history. So, so from like '97, it all just exploded. So, so how, how did your vision come out? Is that something where they approach you, or is it yeah. a matter of you just write a song every year and hope you'll get? Well, I, I, listen. Here's another thing I need to very, very quickly. Since I did Eurovision, I've written five top 20 hits mm. for other artists. And you know what, Nick? I'm not allowed to say that I've written them. So you'll never know that. I, I mean, I get paid for them, but you'll never know that I've written them. Wow. Such a stigma of Eurovision because people do not want to be attached to it because it kills you. I have not had a hit record of my own since Eurovision. I've had to do it under pseudonyms, which nobody knows about. But that's So basically how it happened was the United Nations were in the charts at the time. We got approached by... Richard Parks, who was uh, like the BBC's version of yeah. Simon Cowell. Yeah, not, not, not the former county chairman. No. no. <laughs> if only, eh? If only. <laughs> he said, would the United Nations like to do uh, try out for Eurovision? And my record company said, not a chance. And my manager said, you've always liked Eurovision, haven't you? Because I had, I'd, I'd like Eurovision. Yeah. And uh, Guy Holmes, the guy who signed right, said, Fred, what a talent, <laughs> said, said um, no. 
they're not, they're not doing it. And I went, you can get to fuck. I'm fucking doing it. I may not use the name United Nations, but we're doing it. So I'd written a song for Blazing Squad and I'd had, Bla- remember Blazing Squad? Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, had Bla- I'd had Blazing Squad in the studio and I'd wrote this song Teenage Life for them because they were all teenagers, right? So I'd wrote this song for them and they'd recorded it. And I said to Joe, my manager, send that Teenage Life to the BBC and let's, let's do that. Anyway, he didn't send the version with them on it. He sent the one that I did when I'd first wrote it. The BBC said, yeah, we want that. And that was it. And literally five weeks later, I'm at the press conference and I'm going for uh, the Eurovision. And, and, and as soon as I seen who I was up against, you know, for the, the public vote for the English, yeah, I just fucking knew. All that working class um, um, sort of like... Uh, background and all that knowing what the public are going to go for i knew they would go for me which is why i bet a shitload of money on myself i was the rank, <laughs> I was the rank outsider rank outsider when 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 it got announced at 33 to 1 and boy i went on fucking huge and the odds just came down and down and down and down and down and i, I and i won it and and that was the moment that changed my life that was the moment you go from not really being known but oh didn't you have a few hits to, to the news of the world and the sun outside your house chasing your wife chasing mm. you just check because they knew there was a story on me they just fucking knew there was they didn't find one but they knew there was one and so so basically that's how it happened and honestly i would have people i've not spoke to for 20 years ringing me up friends reunited was the big thing back then do you remember that oh one? yeah just before facebook that one yeah. 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 yeah so i'd have like girls that I maybe have gone out with when I was 15 or 16 and said, hey, Daz, I've had the news of the world on saying, have I got any pictures of me and you together? I'm like, fucking, yeah, whatever. And that's how, that's how low they go to try and find a story on you. In the end, right, they were chasing me around so much, right, that I used to go, right, come in. Come in, let me put my face on, take a picture. Because if you're going to take a picture, make sure I've got my fucking face on you. Because otherwise, you know, they're just, they're just going to keep following you. And when you do that and you give them what they want, they leave you alone. It's the same treatment we got on the podcast, isn't it? It's just bloody bedlam. <laughs> Won't leave us alone. <laughs> Subport Express camping outside the house. <laughs> There's people in my garden now going through me bins. Hey, after me, you might even get Will Meller after me. You know, you never know. <laughs> Daz, Daz, isn't there a story about you trying to keep in touch with County when you were out in Eurovision? Wasn't it the uh, the year when you almost went down? Carlisle. It was the Carlisle game. So you think about it, what, Greece is like um, a few hours in front. One, I can't remember. I remember, seriously, right? This is a, not a word of a lie. We're talking about Eurovision, right? The, the biggest show television audience-wise, uh, on the planet. And half an hour before it starts, I come outside the arena into the car park because there's a guy trying to get... He's got this, like, this radio thing and he can get, like, um, is it Five Live or whatever it is? And no one had a radio in the dressing room. So I'm listening to it. Obviously, I didn't get the end of the game. I, I couldn't get back in. The, they won't, I, I didn't have my laminate. They won't let me back in. No <laughs> 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 more phone on me. I said, it's me. Fucking Dad Sampson, I'm performing, I'm fucking panicking. I'm up the steps, everyone. Next, and the next thing, all these English fans sort of like, I mean, I, I'll exaggerate the story and say they lifted me above and moved me. He didn't, he just pushed me to the front and went, you better fucking let anyway. So, so yeah, basically in the dressing room, we're all sort of like, you know, what's the score? I'm, you know, I'm ringing England all the time. What's the score? What's the score? And obviously when, when we stayed up, it was, uh, it, it was great. But uh, I wish I could have been there actually, but it was... Um, yeah, it, it was it was good to, to finally because uh, it was it was going into the last game of the season. And we were playing Carlisle, and, and they were mm. they were champions, and they yeah. could have come and turned us over. But to be fair, they 
and their fans were excellent on the day, weren't they? They, they, they? You know, because they were celebrating and we were celebrating, so it was good. But um, you know, I, I I always thought just just in, in closing on this because now we're getting bored now. I mean, I was at Carnarvon in '86, and I always thought that was our lowest point until recently. Yeah. So I'm so glad that we're on the way up. Yeah, well yeah, definitely. Um, no, we're not. We're not getting bored. I'm not getting bored anyway. I don't know about you. Don't know about you, lads. You, you've done a bit of co-commentary, haven't you? Why don't you tell us about that? I fucking love that. I really. <laughs> yeah. me, me and Ross have both done it a couple of times each as well. It's great. Yeah, it's good. You know what? Listen, I love John. John the Baptist. I call him John Kieran. <laughs> so basically, I did the Salford one, and I think people were quite surprised about how. Te- my technical knowledge of the game because again they see me on the television they see me just mouthpiece and everything he's got a fucking clue what he's talking about and I really enjoyed doing it and John said yeah let's have you back on again and, and um, so a few months passed I rung it John I said John let's get this was this was August I said John I'll come back on and do a bit more yeah January does we're fully booked to January I thought alright no problem January comes nothing February I ring him up hey let me back on yeah May does May does <laughs> So when this streaming started, I said, John, you've got to let me back on because those two fellas who are co-commentating, it's like fucking watching paint dry. And to be honest with you, if you give them a fucking postage stamp, they still have room left on it what they know about the game. <laughs> you know, now John is fucking, John, listen, I love John. I'm not having a go at John whatsoever. But I, I think that, you know, on that streaming, I think County fans would appreciate someone a little bit. You know, we're talking about characters, even if it's not me. You know what I mean? Someone with a little bit more character. Well, yeah, I really like their ten. He's dropping it in the hole and doing. Last time I spoke to John was November, and I said, "You see that streaming? I'd love to have a slice of that." Only because I like to do things. I've never sat in that gantry on the other side, and I just love to do that to see what the views like. Yeah, you know, I just love to do it. And uh, as as always, John went fully booked to January, Daz. But I'll give you a call. We're in fucking April. Still haven't heard from him. <laughs> so obviously, there's a, there's a again a political reason for it, and that is because my personality and my perception of what I am goes before what I can be. For example, if I turn up at a, a, a commentary and John goes, just tone down the jokes a little bit. I'm professional enough, and I've been in the game long enough to know to do that. I can still be funny, and I can still be articulate. The listening public, but um, I just don't think they want to take that chance. It's been the story of my life. But do you know what? It don't bother me as he looks at his two cars on the drive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. The, the, the last time I did co-commentary, we, played, it was, we had FC United at home. It was just before Neil Young got sacked, and I, I arrived late. I'd not had time to look at the team sheet. And John asked me about who FC United's main threats are going to be. So I spent about 10 minutes going on about Sam Sheridan. And then before John happened to say, oh, Sam Sheridan's out today. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, it could be worse. So, John, if, if you're listening, or if there's any county fans listening, get a petition up. Get Samson yeah. on the airway. Yeah. Change the org. That'd be great. <laughs> well, if you get so many signatures, you have to debate it in Parliament. So I, I, I'd love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, just, just finally before you know, before we finish off, um, I just wanted to ask you about the Eurovision and about the actual contest itself. I mean, what was it like performing in front of all those people and to, to those many, many millions watching around Europe and probably the world? Well, sometimes you don't realise what you've got until it's gone, and, and obviously, I didn't appreciate the fact that I had an outside chance of, of of playing the beautiful game for a living, and obviously, that was robbed off me for various reasons. It was the equivalent of playing at the World Cup. I cannot, 
I, honestly, I, I can't even begin to describe it. You're like Elton John or Robbie Williams for for two weeks. Seriously, mm-hmm. I mean, seriously. I mean, you get to the bubble and there is not a single day or second of that day where you are not doing something. You're meeting this Lord Mayor, you're meeting that dignitary, you're meeting that dignitary, you're going to that party, you're getting this free watch, you're getting these flowers, you're getting this tracksuit. You, <laughs> I remember I remember Adidas Greece, Adidas Greece came into my hotel room and they dropped these five bin bags of, of, of unreleased Adidas stuff and said, you can have whatever you want as long as you wear it. <laughs> it all came back with me and it was all flogged. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone wore it. <laughs> someone wore it, yeah. Just not me. I, I, little things like, remember that, remember that, um, I'll get back to Eurovision, remember that, 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 what's that squeezy cheese? You've seen it in the supermarket. Oh, Primula. Yeah, squeeze... No, the other one, it's like, it's this cheese and it's squeezy. They, they sponsored me 10 grand, right, to, for me to have, like, a squeezy cheese emblem on one of my jackets when I'm on, like, loose women or whatever, right? <laughs> and all I had to do, I regret it now, was go to the Asda pitch. It was the most embarrassing thing in my life. So we're at Asda in Yorkshire somewhere. That, so we're going to go in and pitch this, this item and want you to come in and go, what, did you learn at school today? I said, it's not me who sings that, mate. I'm the rapper. <laughs> just, just do what you can. Just do what you can. So... Dad's come in and I go, hello, hello. And, and I go, bird's eye potato, waffles, uh, waffles. You start doing a fucking different brand. <laughs> anyway, they're fucking, they're howling. The buyer from Asda is howling with laughter and they get the order. That is how you do it. Do you know what I mean? They didn't want me to go in there singing fucking teenage. Like, bearing in mind, this was a week after Eurovision, so it was very, very hot. You know what I mean? Was, the, the subject mm. was hot. But, you know, you just get all these stupid offers. It's not about the money and stuff, but you just get all these stupid offers. That's what Eurovision brings. So when you say, what's it like? I mean, uh, for the first time ever, it's so nerve-wracking. I don't get nervous, but it's for the first time ever, I forgot my lyrics at Eurovision. Nobody knows this. Right? I forgot my lyrics. Now, I start the song. I'll be very quick because I know we've got time. Uh, I start the song. What, go and watch it back, people, on YouTube after this. I, I start the song behind the blackboard and the girls start the song and then they turn the blackboard and then I came out, okay? So I can hear in my ears them singing, what did you learn at school? And I'm thinking, what the fuck is my first line? I forgot it. <laughs> just gone. Like that. I, I just don't know my words. I'm panicking. And I can hear, and I know that they're going to turn that board. I'm thinking, right, what do I know? What do I know? And I thought, right, I'll just do the Kung Fu raps. I'll just do the raps from Kung Fu because I remember them, which is going to throw a lot of people off. Anyway, just as they start to turn the board, the, the lyrics come back in, which is why you watch me come bounding out like a fucking rabbit in the headlight. <laughs> because I'm so relieved that I'm not, I'm not about to make an arse of myself. I mean, a lot of people say, well, you did make an arse of yourself. You were like, all right, right. I watched it earlier, about an hour ago, and yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Let's go! Yeah, come on! Did you learn? Let's go today! What did you learn? From back when I was young Thinking of my school days and trying to write this song Classroom schemes and dreams, man, they couldn't save me Cause my days were numbered when I signed down on AV Teenage kicks running out, what could we do? I still show respect to my boys who made it through And getting told off Mr. T how my life will be And giving him a signal so everyone could see Sunshine and shade, those girls on serenade Thinking of those six-phone chicks that misbehave Hoping that those days would go on and on Right, there you go 
but, 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 but what people don't know, and again, people, you know, all these media whores who, who, who go on X Factor and go, basically, right, I, um, I, the week before I was setting off for Eurovision, I did the Terry Christian show on Radio Manchester, the breakfast show, and I drove to see my mum in Stockport. And as I got to the house that morning, I'm knocking on the door and nobody's answering because she was disabled, my mum. So I knocked the door down and my dad's dead on the floor. And I'm having to, oh, I'm having to um, resuscitate him on the phone to the ambulance, which is since then I've gone on and learnt CPR because I think everyone needs to learn that. Now, a copper turned up and he knew straight away who I was. All right. And, and, um, and basically my press guy, this is how this is how fickle. I mean, he got sacked after this. Said we could we could get a centre spread out of this. And I said, if any newspaper finds out about this, I'm going to fucking kneecap you. And I sacked him. <laughs> and so what people don't know is we had the funeral on the Friday down at um, Cheadle, and on the Saturday I flew out to Eurovision, and nobody knows that. Wow. Nobody knows right. it. So I didn't. I didn't. I didn't play that. I didn't play that sympathy guy. It's okay to talk about it now. It's 15 years later. Yeah. yeah. But when people give me a hard time for being like an egomaniac and all that, what they've got to understand is a lot of what you see on telly is, is acting. It's a mm. persona. It's like my agent was Matt Connolly, who was actually the agent for PJ and Duncan, Matt, um, and Deck. And he used to say to me, it's best to be a, a wanker or, or because 50% are going to like a wanker rather than just being bland. And, and, and that's why a lot of the controversial stuff that i say it's to get reaction mm. it's like anyone who's seen those clips of me with a cigar and a robe and a, and, a, and a drink anyone who knows me knows that is not me it's not me but it is an act and unfortunately i don't go out in stockport anymore because for a long time i'd get you fucking wanker it's acting it's just acting and so you know it, it's people have to understand that it's like the guys off coronation street they're, they're, they're acting a character. They're not the real character. People think this does something character that they see is real, and, it, and it's totally not. It's amazing that people still don't get that. After, after all we've seen of reality TV over the past two decades or so, the fact, <laughs> yeah. the fact that that still has to be yeah. played out to people is absolutely staggering. That's yeah. a very good point, that. That's a very good point, yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, I, I, th I think you're a massive credit, though, Daz. I mean, the, the fact that you've had, you've had knockbacks, you've had a roller coaster, but the fact that you can come out and talk about stuff and the fact that you're quite happy to take a piss out of yourself as well, it's a very good combination, and I'm sure our listeners would agree as well. Yeah, I'm just yeah, yeah. a working-class guy from an edgy street. I mean, I grew up, you know, with the, with the, the old flood. Remember the old floodlights were a lot bigger, weren't they? Oh, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I grew up with, you know, I remember we played, Ar Dave, remember playing Arsenal in the 80s in the, in the League Cup? I didn't go to that game because I was too young. That was when I first noticed. 1980 was, yeah, September 1980. Les, Bra Les Brad scored. Yeah, and, consolation, 3-1. Um, yeah, and um, I remember looking at the lights that night from my bedroom window, and that's when I, because there was like 10,000, like, you know, that big roar. You know, that was in the days. You know, my favourite stand ever at County was the old wooden Cheadle end. Fucking love that little stand. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Do, you remember, do you remember it, Dave? Absolutely, yeah. It's about, well, I don't remember it being a standing area in, in the 60s. No, it was like a seating. It, the seat, they put about yeah, 10 rows of seats in, didn't they? And like you say, it was, it was all wood, including the seats, which is why it had to come down yeah. after Bradford. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it was... It's a great end. It's strange. It's strange that you should say that actually about it. Was, it was you. You seen the floodlights when there was a big cup game on because it's exactly the same for me with the the QPR game. I I grew up in Shoreheath, right. so so I was I was sat in my bedroom and I could see the floodlights when it started going dark. Yeah, and that, that was that was what got me hooked. That's what got me interested in county as well. Yeah, there's something about floodlights, isn't there, on, a, on an evening game? It's just so evocative. Yeah, especially at QPR. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially at QPR, Dave. 
there's only three goals that I've really, really celebrated, like beyond celebrating. Uh, one of them was QPR away when Ian McInerney scored against David Seaman in the League Cup. We, we, were, we were getting battered after 10 minutes, we're 2-0 down. And my most vivid memory of that is looking down at Bill Williams and like swaying his arms as if to say, for fuck's sake, come on. And for the rest of the game, we fucking mauled them. Mark Payne should have equalised. And then Ian McInerney scored. And that was like a Sabutio stadium, Loftus Road. It was fucking yeah. unbelievable. And then in the, in, the, in, the, in the second leg, we drew nil-nil and went out. Mark Howard should have scored. Um, that Peterborough equaliser at, um, at Wembley when Francis scored. I've never celebrated because I didn't go to the Stoke game. Uh, Peterborough and, and the Hodgkinson's overhead kick against Colchester, which is my favourite goal. And he's my favourite ever county player, which you never asked, by the way. But. <laughs> yeah, good point. We didn't. Know, we never asked that, did we? No, well, no. we'll we'll do that next time you come on. There won't be a next time. Don't worry about that. Oh, oh, oh there will be. We'll, 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 we'll be in person this time. <laughs> John Kieran will be on the phone going, "I've made a terrible mistake, Daz. You're on the next one." <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Right. We'll 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 wrap it up there. Um, I mean, I'll probably. I mean, I speak for Nick and Dave as well. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really absolute has. Thank you. Really has. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. And, and I, def- I definitely mean it when we say we'll get you back on. We definitely will. Um, I'm sure there's loads more stories for you to tell um, in, in in a bit more depth as well. So that'd be really good. Um, just one final thing for me. Um, yeah, we, you, everybody knows by now, the listeners, uh, you get all of our content on scarfbegarreward.co.uk. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, we're on Instagram, but not very much, so I need to do more on that. We're on YouTube, um, and if you want to get hold of us, you can email us, um, contact at scarpagarawar.co.uk. Um, Before just we go, one final yes, thing. Yeah, go Dave, on. Yeah. yeah, Dave, do you want to tell us about what's happening with the tea party? Yeah, it's 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 not a major thing, really, but... Um... Daz does or no? Because he was he was a guest on the, the Tea Party podcast that we we ran before we joined up with the Scarf Bagara War. Uh, it was the infamous podcast where Phil Phil Brennan. I, I got stuck in traffic and never turned up, and then yes. Phil Brennan recorded it on his phone and lost the file. Spent all night trying to retru- retrieve it, so we ended up having to do it again. Um, yeah, so just picking up on that, my idea was with those podcasts was do an episode for each issue, one to a hundred, and you know it would work it would work in that way. In the end, we started to have to talk to guests a bit more, and you know the fanzine itself was probably relegated to a, a, a lower position in the podcast, which isn't a problem um, because the guests like like Daz and other people, and you, you two guys, uh, Nick and Russ, were on it as well, uh, were great. But obviously, that's now um, where the Star, the Scarf Bagara War podcast has really taken over, and that's that's the, the you know this kind of podcast that you've just been listening to. It's it's guests, it's county chat, it's it's all the rest of it, and I just thought. I might just pick up the county podcast idea again and carry on with um, an issue devoted to um, each, an episode devoted to each issue uh, and take that forward and, and just, it's, it's almost OCD on my part as much as anything, just to get that finished. So what I'm doing is, is and again, it's under the um, the Scarf Bagara War umbrella, just like the weekly review preview shows we do, the extended ones we do, which we're still going to be on and we're still going to be talking about the Tea Party content on there. But I'm just going to do, you know, like, we'll see how it goes. It, it might be shit, it might be great, but we'll do a little, or I'll do a little 20 minute or so podcast on each issue, talking about what was happening at the time, the games we played over the period of the podcast sale, um, what was what particular articles referred to. And um, yeah, we'll release those alongside the Scarf Bagara World podcast as part of the, the Big County Family podcast. 
Absolutely. All under the same franchise. <laughs> franchise. <Ooh. probably. laughs> and then we can join the Super Podcast League. Hey! <laughs> and not tell our listeners. Yeah, not consult okay. the listeners. Yeah. If it takes off, though, I'm fucking you two off and I'm going solo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, cracking. Okay, cheers, fellas. Um, Enjoy the match on Saturday and we'll speak next week. Cheers, Daz. Cheers, lads. All the best. You've been listening to the Scarf Bagara War, edited and produced by the Scarf Bagara War team. The title track was created by Daniel Johnson with commentary from Richard Harnwell. The podcast currently is being recorded socially distanced remotely, so please don't write in. If you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe and comment on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Thank you. Oh, great flick up by Alan Armstrong. the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hi This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,